If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Day two of Super Bowl week here in Miami. Coming off of beautiful Miami, joined by my co-host, Action Sports Jacks, Marcel Robinson, the king of selfies. My co-host, my original co-host, Brent Martineau right now, is... On location, getting some audio from the Fox Sports guys, so he'll be back momentarily. But we actually we have a couple guests stopping by the booth today as well, including uh, MMA legend, the American gangster himself, Chael Sonnen. And if Brent Martin wants to take his time, just let me do that interview. Hey, I'm not going to complain about that, but we'll, uh, we'll see how it plays you? out. But, but like I said, we're in day two here uh, in good old Miami. The weather's treating us very well. And last night, I mean, you know, it was... It was kind of the kickoff to the Super Bowl week, right, Marcel? It's right, you know right. you, you meet meet all the players and everything. They get the the pomp and circumstance, all the inter- introductions. And I'll be honest, man, I was excited because I had some former teammates playing. But what was supposed to be a night of getting interviews ended up for me at least from the Kansas City Chiefs side. It ended up being like a class reunion of 2013. Yeah, I would say much like the Senior Bowl that last night was one of those nights where you were actually on camera being interviewed <laughs> more than interviews that we did. I want to say how many interviews did we interviewed four people? Yeah, and you were interviewed at least three times. At least three times. Um, you can chalk it up to maybe four. The last one that I did, and I kind of felt bad in retrospect now. Because I wasn't necessarily maybe the, the most polite oh, no, that counts. To, to, to the lady, but what ended up happening was it was me. Um, there was a volleyball player from UC Irvine, and then I think another athlete. And I, I didn't get to talk to her at all. I didn't know what sport she played, but um, they all kind of like wrangled us up. And then it must have been from like a Latin state, like a Latin news station. It was. Um, she came up and high energy, um, very you know fun times. Well, keep in mind I just got done interviewing you know for like three hours, so I was kind of exhausted, but. They want to know our thoughts on the halftime show. And obviously I was candid and I, I was honest. Like I've always been honest here, Marcel, where I think they should bring out Rihanna and it should be the Holy Trinity. We're talking Shakira, we're talking Rihanna, and we're talking J-Lo. It doesn't get any better than that. And the lady that was doing the interview was you know, a big fan of that. She's like, oh, yeah, Rihanna, good one, good one. And then she proceeded to go, well, you guys are all athletes. Let's see your best Shakira hips don't lie shake. And, I, and at, at that point, I'm like, it's going to be a no for me. Hard pass. Like, I, I try to play along as much as possible, but I'm not going to be dancing and shaking my hips in front of thousands of people right now, especially after the night that I've had. So, no thank you. I'm not going to lie. I think you should have did it. I think you should I mean, you were, to be fair, last night, I can honestly say, I think it was a, a bit of an eye-opening experience for you because you were, one, as much as you – like to you know compliment on my alleged vanity, you were in front of the camera a lot more than behind last night. Was I wasn't trying to seek it out though. I'm just saying. Okay. We did we did a lot of TV with with your face on it. We did. So you kind of stepped out of the box a little bit. In I that did. Aspect. So I think last night when she requested that you you know drop a little salsa dance yeah. right then and there. I mean there was nothing but space and opportunity. You should have did it. You know nothing but space and opportunity. But at the same time I can't reiterate it enough. Um I was tired. Was not really feeling the interview, and I'm not trying to like you know to come off across as mean. I just I didn't want to dance for anybody, man. I just I was not feeling it, and I think you know the girls that are getting interviewed next to me too, um, you know the volleyball player included, she wasn't feeling it either. So we're just like, well, we'll talk, but uh, I'm not gonna dance. But speaking of vanity, and then we'll start talking some football here. But speaking of vanity, (laughs) 
My co-host right now, Marcel Robinson, who whoa, whoa, whoa. you know you whoa. guys know from Action Sports Jax. I mean, one could say that he's he's very active on the Instagrams. He's very active uh, on the selfies, which is cool because I I always tell him like, look, man, wait, not wait, my. Wait, hey, wait, wait, wait. Time, 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 I'm setting you up here though. Okay, okay. go go ahead. No, go ahead. What first, do you guys say? I just want to say first off, there is a very distinct difference between requesting someone take a, a picture of me somewhere that I want to remember, yeah, versus me taking a selfie. I mean, okay. if, if you actually if you go to my Instagram right now, out of my last. 10 to 15 posts, I guarantee you maybe three of them might be pictures I've taken of myself. Okay. So Marcel's trying to be an Instagram influencer, and, that, <laughs> and that's cool. Okay? I respect that because you know what? He's being true to himself. And that's what I always say. As long as you're being true to yourself, if you like the selfies, you like Instagram, man, more power to you. Because especially in this business, you you, you got to be true, man, because there's, there's cookie cutters all over the place. If you can stand out and just be yourself, I feel like you have the edge up, and that's why I respect Marcel Robinson. Now, with that being said, as we are entering the media night, we got into a little uh, a bit of a debate about, you know, just people taking selfies in front of uh, the entrance and things like that. And Marcel was contemplating, should I take one, should I not take one? And I uttered the quote, you sound like an Instagram model right now. Which okay. I was joking, by the way. Not sure if you're joking or not. doesn't really matter for the story. I think you were serious, but that's okay. I, I, see, I see you trying to save face. But anyway, so I called you an Instagram model. And not even joking. On everything that I have, three seconds later, on the giant jumbotron of the entrance to get into the Marlins Stadium where the, the press uh, conferences were taking place, yep. on the giant jumbotron, yep. who's on the jumbotron with a selfie with the tag of, you know, Super Bowl LIV? That'd be me. No, none other than Marcel Robinson. That'd be me. But to be fair, it was a pretty good picture. Great picture. And it's the only selfie I've taken all weekend. Great picture. I was upset. <laughs> I was proven wrong because here I am trying to make fun of you and you're on the Jumbotron. Brent Martineau got a picture of it. I'm sure he'll share that um, if he hasn't already on Twitter and Instagram and all that good stuff. So that's how we started off our night. you know. And then obviously we got the, we got a great some great audio coming down the pipe today, tomorrow, the whole week. Well, like I said, it was kind of a class reunion for me. The 2013 class reunion. Talked to Travis Kelsey a little bit. I had to come clean about some things. Um, we finally made amends because if you guys don't know the story about Travis Kelsey and myself, the last night I was in Kansas City before I got cut, we went out to this bar, and he obviously had VIP because, let's be honest, even though he was a rookie, he has Travis Kelsey, and the guy likes to get after it a little bit. Not going to fault him for that. Well, before, he, before you get to that part, this is yep. what we're going to do. What do you got? We're going to save the rest of the story for the tease. I like that. That's okay, okay. That's so, what we call the tease. Okay, place. so a little spoiler alert. I come clean about something. We make amends, and we bury a hatchet, let's just say. How does that sound? Bottom line, is, you, you, bottom line is you've got some good karma coming your way. I have some good karma coming my way regarding Travis Kelsey. We'll have that audio later. Obviously, stuff with Andy Reid as well. Um, we caught up with Eric Fisher, uh, former, uh, you know, my former teammate, offensive tackle from the Chiefs. I brought up me. Uh, being, you know, responsible for his welcome to the NFL moment where I put him on his back. We'll hear comments about that. May not have went the way I anticipated, but we'll get we'll get that audio later as well. And obviously, Brent got a whole bunch of stuff. Well, more Jaguars later. Robert Sala, former Jacksonville Jaguars coach, now defensive coordinator, uh, you know, with the 49ers. But we have a lot of audio, um, a lot of things to get into as well. And, you know, when we started the show yesterday, Marcel, it was all about Kobe Bryant. Right. right, and we spend a good amount of time talking about the Black Mamba, obviously, and not only in basketball but out of basketball as well. And it was evident whether you're looking at the crowd last night that was watching the press conferences take place, you saw the Kobe jerseys, whether it was the reporters asking the Kobe Bryant questions. Um, you know, I mean, he was just he was alive and well, basically, in that in that stadium. Um, they had a really touching and nice tribute 
to all the members that were involved in that helicopter crash. Um, really classy by the NFL, obviously. And, you know, it, it's a story that's going to, you know, kind of continue to try to transform a little bit, evolve. Uh, but it's, it's really evident that the Kobe Bryant thing's not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and rightfully so. I mean, it's, you know, it, the reality of the situation is that the world lost a legend, you yeah. know, on the court, off the court, not just locally, but globally. Um, obviously last night at the opening night, they let off with the opening, uh, opening, you know, moment of silence for Kobe Bryant and, and had, you know, in memoriam on the Jumbotron. And of course, the chance of Kobe came afterwards, which, I mean, I mean, it doesn't really matter who you are, honestly. As far as, like, whether you're a fan, um, just the name Kobe Bryant just rings just in everyone's ears and in their hearts. Obviously, tonight, you know, this, and we were talking about this before we came here, obviously, in the hotel, that at some point, you know, it's it's still very fresh. Like, I know for me, for me personally, when I hear that, you know, Kobe Bryant is no longer here or see, you know, the memorials, it, it's still incredibly difficult for me and hard for me to believe, but... In terms of the news cycle, at some point, you know, it will sort of shift to a different vibe in terms of the story. Um, and it hasn't necessarily seemed to be that way yet. I mean, obviously, tributes are still going yeah. on, you know, you know, day in and day out. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of NBA players, news is coming out that they're, you know, giving up their eights and their 24 jerseys to informally retire in honor of Kobe Bryant. And the Lakers and Clippers were supposed to play tonight in Staples Center. Yeah. Uh, that game's been postponed, and, you know... Uh, obviously, the Lakers, I think, are hosting Portland, on, or so scheduled to host Portland on Friday. Um, but, yeah, just like you said, everything opening night, all the players, every player, George Kittle from San Francisco said that Kobe Bryant was one of the players that made him want to play sports. I mean, I mean, I'm, I think that's something that all those players from opening night that we interviewed, even for someone like me who basically grew up, you know, as a Kobe Bryant fan, um, it's it's this this one's tough. Yeah, I mean this one this one this one's gonna sting for a little bit. You know, and 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 obviously, I mean, there's a lot going on here. We got a lot of football to talk about. I guess just kind of a, one last thing with the Kobe Bryant thing now going forward and try to uh, move the conversation along. You know, I, I've been on social media and everything, and the big thing now it seems like there's petitions. You know, to get Kobe Bryant to be the new official logo of the NBA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to to replace the infamous Jerry West logo. And I just want to get some of your thoughts. Like, how, how do you feel um, about the possibility of the NBA adopting that? Not saying that they have, but how, how do you feel about you know, like the, the, the public, you know, outcry to say, you know, let's change the, Co- the, the Jerry West right. logo to the uh, Kobe Bryant logo? You know, I, I don't know. It's in look, like I said, like Kobe Bryant was probably my first actual real M favorite player in terms of basketball. I grew up playing basketball. Basketball was the first game I learned to play, loved to play. But in terms of um, the actual changing of the logo to a Kobe Bryant um, emblem of some sort. I got the only reason I would say I'm uh, not necessarily for it is just because I feel like it would set a bad precedent. You know, you know, we hope this nothing like this ever happens again. But if that were to this were to happen, say in 20 years to someone else, at that point, you your hands are kind of tied and you would have to do the same sort of. Uh, you know, memorial for him for that particular person, and and I think that's something that I don't think the NBA wants to get into. It's a great thought. Uh, I can understand completely why everyone wants to do it. To be completely honest with you, if there were some sort of way, um, not necessarily an alternate logo, but I would love to do something permanent to honor Kobe Bryant. But as far as changing the logo, I don't think that's the way to go just for that particular uh, reason. And it's also kind of funny, like I've seen that a lot in terms of petitions. Um, A lot of the people that are petitioning for Kobe Bryant to be the new logo are actually unaware that the logo is a representation of 
an NBA player. Like Correct. I see on yeah. Twitter, not many people know that that's actually Jerry West. Correct. So if if you're you're finding ways to change the logo from one player to another, like I said, I just feel like it sets a bad precedent, and you're kind of opening up um, a can of worms that could potentially be rocky later on down the line. Fantastic, man. Yeah, and that's what point. You know, and I think the biggest point is the fact that our generations, right, they don't know who Jerry West is. You know, so th- there's no appreciation for it. But at the same time, I think like tradition obviously is big. Not maybe as big as in uh, basketball that is in baseball, but. You know, I mean, I think that the, the, the Jerry West logo is synonymous with that. And then you have to, have to start asking the question. It's a horrible question to ask, but, you know, I mean, you know, you got guys like LeBron James. Like, if LeBron James retires, like, what, what are you going to do for him then, you know? So it just kind of goes on a long list of, okay, well, if this player retires or something happens to this player, what do you do for him? So, I mean, I understand everyone's heart's in the right spot. Right. Um, you know, in terms of changing the logo, I think it would be a great memoriam for Kobe Bryant. But, I, you know, I think the jersey's getting retired, the number's getting retired, all that stuff. Um, I think that's probably the classic gesture that you can actually think of. So, um, yeah, you know, obviously Kobe Bryant's a guy that it's going to be sprinkled on our show probably throughout the week and everything. But let's be honest here, this is Super Bowl week. We're going to talk some football as well. But on top of football, when we come back on the show here, we're going to talk a little bit MMA with a guy by the name of Chael Sonnen. Any MMA fan should know who Chael Sonnen is, the American gangster. I like to call him the Conor McGregor before the Conor McGregor. He was the guy that kind of revolutionized the trash talk in MMA and everything like that. So when we come back on the show, hopefully we'll have Chael Sun in here momentarily. And I'm I'm a fan, man, so I can't wait for this interview. I can't tell. Uh, I know, I right? Tell. You can't tell at all, right? I'm not <laughs> just like I'm, I'm glowing or anything like that. And Brett Martineau will be back, too, from interviewing uh, the Fox Sports News guys as well. So whole chock full show today, man, we got to get to. We've got we've got a great show for everyone. We and then we, we obviously have football sound. to talk about plenty as well. And we, we got plenty of great interviews from last night, too, from some of my former teammates, including Travis Kelsey. That, Chael Sonnen, football talk, everything when we come back on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Welcome back to ESPN 690 with Action Sports Jacks. I'm Austin Lane. My co-host Brent Martineau is out gallivanting around Miami right now. He might be getting a, a nice, I don't know, some kind of Cuban sandwich or a nice coffee or something like that. That's okay, man. I'll hold down the fort. I'll do all the work myself. It's what I do, man. I'm a jack of all trades. And speaking of being the man... I'm joined by the American gang. Well, are you still the American gangster? I still am the American. The still, American. still the American. It's still America, man. So I am joined by the American gangster, Chael Sonnen, former UFC fighter, former Bellator fighter, retired as of right now. We'll see how it plans out down the road, obviously. But um, Chael, thanks for joining us, man. I gotta tell you, you're kind of breaking the mold. I thought like football guys didn't have anything to say and they had yeah. their personality and they walked around like meatheads. I mean, you seem like a perfectly nice guy. What's going on here? Uh, you know what? It, it's funny because I get that all the time. Actually, um, I grew up in Wisconsin, um, kind of from a, a very vocal family, you know, like that. And uh, I went to school at Murray State University for journalism and mass communications. I love to talk to people. Um, I love sharing experiences. So I think that kind of had something to do with it a little That's bit. That's wonderful. I mean, I meant it as a full compliment, but you are a very endearing guy, I must tell you. I appreciate that very much, man. And, and I, I got to come clean about you now real quick, right. okay? So obviously, I currently do MMA. I'm a former football player. Now I'm chasing the MMA dream, trying to get to the UFC, trying to get to Bellator, something of that nature and coming up you know watching the UFC obviously I was a big fan and I know who you were right right away and I'm reminded by Silva Sun and One when you guys fought for the first time I'm reminded of uh, Bisbing and you and actually was cheering for Michael Bisbing which says a lot about what I thought about you at the time (laughs) okay but 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 here's here's where I kind of stood okay I, I considered you a guy who talked a lot of smack and I consider you a guy who was arrogant and 
just this, this overall cocky guy, you know, and, and obviously I had a preconceived notion of you, and obviously having a preconceived notion, I didn't do any research at all. I, I formed my opinion of you, didn't know your background, I'm like, I just don't like this guy. Fast forward to 2013, the ultimate fighter, Team Jones, Team Sonnen, right? I was cheering for John Jones, obviously. I was, I was hoping he was going to knock you out. But there was a moment on that show that completely changed my mind about who you are as a person and what I thought about you. And that was when you were sitting down in a cage with a guy by the name of Uriah Hall, who um, at the time was a very promising fighter, still a great fighter until today. But, I mean, he was he had the highlight KO. He had that spinning uh, back kick and everything. And you're talking to Uriah Hall about dealing with pressure, um, dealing with the fear of losing, and just, you know, overall the, the mentality of fighting. And I remember you in that moment, you kind of revealed the curtain a little bit to someone who didn't really know your background, and you, you kind of pervaded, I don't want to put words in my mouth, but you kind of pervaded, if I'm not mistaken, like, it's okay to embrace the fear. It's, it's okay to embrace losing because it's always an option. The most important part is you have to kind of respond to that, and that's what I kind of garnered from you. So I, I gained a lot of respect from you that day, and it made me realize that, what you were doing, you were a character. You were trying to build up fights. You were talking all this smack, the American gangster. So my question to you is, what was that transition like? You know, to, to go from a guy who was just this wrestler and everything like that to the American gangster, to the guy that was selling out pay-per-views. Well, there was a lot of compliments in there for me, so thank you for that. <laughs> You're I welcome, man. My career. That really does mean a lot to yeah. me. Uh, you know, i got to tell you, though, it is true. I mean, people will tell you losing's not an option. That's ridiculous. Losing's always an option. You yeah. can always... You can always opt to lose. I don't, I don't know where somebody came up with that or thought that was like some tough guy thing to say. It's an option, but it's a choice. And fa- failure is a choice, but so success. And you got to choose it. And you got to make that path, and you got to work towards it every day. You bring up Uriah Hall specifically, but Uriah Hall was a very open guy, and he still is to this day. To say that he gets an anxiety and a fear about the result of the match. And with many athletes, we'll try to grab those guys and go, okay, hold on. Let's not think about the outcome, but let's focus on the performance. There's some things that you do well. There's some things that you've worked on. Let's make sure we keep those in mind, and let's just go do those things. If that doesn't work, that's not on you. That means your coaches came up with a bad strategy. I mean, right, it's a team effort. It's kind of one of those things. But you do have an obligation here. Your obligation is to go out and invoke this plan. Here's the plan. Do we all agree? Shake hands. Let's walk. I like it, man. Um, if we can get you to turn, I think your mic might be turned off a little bit, the volume on the side. Sorry, yeah, this is kind of my first time doing this stuff. I'll get it all set up here. There we go. I think we should be good there. Kuz, how's that, man? We better now? All right, fantastic. All right, we got you. So you, you mentioned it, though, and, and you brought this persona, the American gangster, and you, to me, you're the, the pioneer. You're the Conor McGregor before there was a Conor McGregor, right? And, and I honestly think that. Now, we have guys like Conor McGregor. We have the Colby Covingtons. And the way I see it in the landscape of MMA right now, I feel like the Conor McGregor type, or even like your type of talking to smack, I feel like it might be dying out a little bit with guys like Jorge Masvidal, with guys like Khabib, obviously now. The more humble approach, the more relatable approach. Do you feel like that entertainment kind of era of MMA is dying out a little bit now, or is that going to kind of last forever? I think we're in the entertainment era right now. I think I helped to create the entertainment era, but I must tell you, I'm a hypocrite to that. I don't like the entertainment era. I like the competitive era. I like back when it was anybody, anywhere, anytime, you set the rules, let's shake hands and go, and the best man will win. I just personally appreciate that a little bit more. And let me tell you one thing about, because you bring up Khabib. One thing about Khabib, and one reason why that humble approach is working, is first off, it's authentic, and it's real, and it's not manufactured. And so many fighters want to go and try to be Floyd, or they want to go and try to be The Rock. You know, don't try to be the next Rock or be the next Floyd. Be the first you. And 
you're not a good actor, guys. So don't try <laughs> to act. Take whoever you are. Feel free to turn the volume up a little bit, but be yourself. And one thing about Khabib, and one reason that gimmick, if you will, which isn't a gimmick, that's the real him. Absolutely. But one reason why that caught on so well is it made him different. So many guys were trying to be outlandish, say outlandish things, be disrespectful, thinking this was the secret recipe to success that they identified. When Khabib comes in and is humble and talks softly, what that did is it made him stand out. All of a sudden, he's the first guy who used manners, who used being polite. That was a George St. Pierre approach to things as well. Be a handsome guy with a smile on your face. Don't say anything bad about your opponent. Well, that's a way of being different when everybody else is saying terrible things and trying to, uh, you, you know, be the next bad guy or the next rough guy around the edges. So there's always a place for somebody to slide in. But you do need, from a marketing standpoint, to observe what's happening right now and find a way to be different. Joined by Chael Sonnen from AO and the Bad Guy. You can catch him is that every single day, right? On every Wednesday. ESPN. Every Wednesday on ESPN. You have your own podcast, too. It's called You're Welcome. I That's believe right. you talk about all the MMA. Sure, a lot of sweet stories from that as well. Um, so you talked about it. You know, being the bad guy, talking the smack, from your perspective, it's something you obviously had to learn. You know, it's something you had to ingrain in yourself. My question to you is, you had a fantastic fight career, assuming that it's over right now. We'll get to that later. But my question to you is, how much energy went into that? Like, were you worried about, man, I'm spending way too much time doing all this trash talk when I should be just focusing on the task at hand? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, there's a balance there, but it, it did come from a perspective. I was trying to get things done. And yeah. one thing, way to get things done in this business is to make headlines. The more headlines you get, the more fa- you know fans that you can get, more you've got to have what's called a mandate of the masses. So I was able to steer my own ship for the most part. I could call guys, okay, this is who I'm going to fight. I could get the promoters to agree with me instead of waiting for the promoters to call. Now, that's pretty simple and pretty basic. I don't want to add and make it sound like that was too sophisticated, but that was the strategy going into that, was to get attention, get this guy to respond, and get the favorable fight that I wanted, as opposed to taking a call and let it be somebody else's idea. I like it. So, from your perspective then, we talked about Hori Maslow, Khabib, yep. you know, and Dana White has been kind of echoing that, you know, that Khabib-McGregor fight, that would be huge. It would be the biggest fight of all time. And to me, I see a guy like Jorge Masbrough, who, in my opinion, I'm not sure how you feel about it, is the second most popular fighter right now in MMA. Now, obviously, I'm in the States, maybe across the globe, that's different. But I think Jorge Masbrough is the second most popular fighter behind Conor McGregor. So if you have Conor McGregor and you have Jorge Masbrough, one and two, you have the most popular fighters at one and two right now and a chance for them to square off. Why don't you make that match? Because in combat sports, that hardly ever happens. Right. Doesn't it seem to make a level of sense? I agree with you. These guys want to fight each other. Now they're in the same division. Now that Connor's moved to welterweight, I mean, I agree with you. Now, the other side of it, and if you're Dana, you've got to be a chess player, not a checkers player. You will burn a fight. Right Right now, you can make Masvidal and Kamaro. You can make Connor uh, and Khabib. If you go put Masvidal and Connor together, then you, you... Right, you're gonna to make one, you're gonna cost yourself one. So it's one of those plays, but I do think if you get a calendar out and look at it, Connor and Khabib just doesn't work right now. Khabib already has his hands full with somebody named Tony Ferguson. If we're to make believe that that Khabib's gonna win that fight or even just take the gamble that Khabib is going to win that fight, he then goes into Ramadan. He's a Muslim athlete. He's not gonna be available again until September. Nobody's going to get in the way of Ramadan, right? I mean, you're just not going to do that. That's without yeah. bad luck. Yeah, Nobody exactly, gets in the yeah. way when a guy says, I'm going bad to Ramadan. Bad juju, man. Bad juju. You let him go into Ramadan. Yeah. It's been one of these things. So I just don't the calendar works out in conjunction with Connor coming out and saying it's Connor season. I mean, one thing about Connor McGregor, you can have a lot of opinions on that guy, but one thing you have to give him, he's a man of his word. Connor says, I want to fight and I want to do it in, in, in two months. He wants to fight and he wants to do it in two months, and they're going to make a fight. And right now, I just don't know that Khabib matches up. And one more UFC question. So 
obviously mentioned Tony Ferguson, and and I think it's wrong of Dana White to say we got Connor Khabib coming up because you're overlooking Tony Ferguson. I agree, and I think Tony Ferguson could be Khabib's toughest matchup for sure for, from a long shot. You have Tony Ferguson, who's this long, rangier fighter, yep. um, implements all these crazy strikes and everything, and who is an absolute mastermind off his back. You know, in that tenth planet style yep. jujitsu, where if he gets taken down, you're not worried about it. You know, elbows from the guard, whatever it's going to be. So. If I'm, you know, I'm not making any bets here, but if I'm looking at this fight, I'm trying to break this fight down. I like Tony Ferguson a lot, especially watching Ally Quinta kind of jab um, Khabib towards the later rounds. Tony Ferguson has a gas tank for absolute days. Why should I believe in Tony Ferguson right now? Yeah, no, I I, I agree with you. And I used to be teammates with Tony Ferguson. Yeah. Though, uh, just to disclose, I do have a bias there, but <laughs> he's the hardest working fighter that I've ever laid eyes on. He would do the entire practices, then he would line guys up. He would stay in the middle. They'd rotate on him until they were tired and had to go home. And then when they did go home, he would go to the heavy bag until uh, Mark Munoz used to literally... Turn the lights out in the gym on Tony. That was the only way to get him out of there, and he did this every single day. He kept yeah. to himself. He didn't say much. He wasn't a showman, but he worked his ass off, and all of us saw it. I'm just saying, I, I fully agree with you. To make believe it's a foregone conclusion that Khabib is the champion after April 18th, I think is a little bit of a stretch. It's not foregone, and you and I aren't the only ones with that opinion. Khabib has that opinion. Khabib came out and said, I haven't been that motivated lately. I am now motivated because now I have a real challenge in front of me, and Khabib's right. So, to shift from UFC to Bellator, another company that you're kind of synonymous with a little bit, um, you, your last fight against Machida, you know, it is what it is, you kind of took off the gloves and said, you were done. Um, you know, they always say father time's undefeated, and, and I understand that, and I also know how a fighter operates, you know, and it's always that feeling of, of one more, of one more. Where you're sitting right now, you know, Super Bowl weekend here chatting with me, I mean, are you still content with where you're at right now with, with retirement, or are you kind of like, man, if that one more presents itself, I'm thinking about taking it? No, I'm I'm definitely done. Uh, yeah. the, that one more would present itself, yes. I think yeah. I could send a text message and get that one more. <laughs> but, uh, no, I don't have an interest in fighting anymore, but I do have an interest to, uh, in the sport of fighting, watching mm-hmm. other guys, covering other guys, visiting with guys like you, sharing opinions. I look forward to your career, by the way. I appreciate uh, you it. You said you were looking to go to the UFC or Bellator. Yeah. I think that's very realistic just by sitting and being here with you. Um, I will tell you, I, I'm very content with that. Yeah, I'm happy with it. And that wasn't always the answer. I mean, I had a couple of hard months there when it was done where you kind of wake up and go, well, what's my purpose? What, what do I do? I, I always, every day I woke up and I had a goal and I knew how to help make little steps to achieve that goal. Now, I don't have any goals. What do I do right now? And that was tough for a couple of months to figure out what do I do with my time? I had about four or five hours a day every day that was dedicated to that sport, whether it was drive time to the gym or, you know, shower and visit and cool down with the guys time, whatever it was, four or five hours though, I got to find something to do. Uh, I have found those things, though, to do. I yeah. do fill up my days now uh, quite nicely, and uh, quite frankly, I, I do enjoy retirement. Well, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of problems that are occurring in the NFL right now are guys that, you know, let's be honest, in the NFL especially, you don't get to go on your own terms usually. I mean, unless you're like a Tom Brady, unless you're like a Eli Manning. Yeah. But 99% of those guys um, on that football field, they get told they're not good enough anymore, and it's like, all right, we'll see you later. We're done with you. And those guys have problems, you know, transitioning, finding new things to explore. What is, like, I guess, the biggest piece of advice that you could give them? Because you know? you're a guy, too. Like you said, you're trying to find that void to fill a little bit because you had so much time in your free hands. What advice would you offer to NFL players, I guess any professional athlete, transitioning to a new career? Yeah, well, and you are right about that. And Look, it's very true that you are never done with this business. But you will wake up one day, and this business is going to be done with you. And that's just a uh, very real thing. 
So you try to enjoy the good memories. If you can go out on your own terms, like the Mannings and the Bradys and the Joe Montanas, which is a very rare thing to do, my sport, the Lennox Lewis and the George St. Pierre's, and I don't think I could name a number three. I mean, nobody goes out the way they want to go out. We all go out the same way, which is uh, flat on our back and embarrassed. I mean, but that's the way that this business is. It's a very rough business. And I I would just share with you, to make sure you can move on, some guys in my life that I always thought were kind of weird is when I was in high school, it was my time. I was in high school. I go to the football games and enjoy it. And some guy that had graduated two or three years before me, or, you know, out of school, would show up to the game wearing his Letterman's jacket. I always thought those guys were kind of weird. I had buddies in college, and, you know, they got like a tattoo of their, our college mascot or something on their shoulder. Go, Man, that's cool for right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure you can turn the page. Make sure you're not locked in anything. Yeah. Wear that Letterman's jacket. Wear it for- Put it away the second you graduate. Yeah. You've got to be able to move on in life, and there's there's other things to do, and, and you will lose that. I mean, the world's a big place, and there's a lot of cracks. It is easy to get stuck in them. You know, it's very real. No, nobody's really going to cry for an athlete because his career ended and he doesn't get to play a game anymore and get a bunch of attention. That's true. Correct. No one's going to cry. But that athlete's still a human being, and it's the only life that he knew, and it is a little bit tough for him. And it's funny you bring up, like, you know, like, we're in the Letterman jacket and stuff. I'm reminded of a, of a story when I was in high school. I wanted to get my high school, I want to get number 88. That's what I was in football. I was 88. Wanted to get that tattooed right in my arm, man. Like, so loud and proud, number 88. I was a wide receiver. And the tattoo artist is like, absolutely not. You don't want Because that. five years down the line, you're going to regret it. Needless to say, I played defensive line at Murray State University. went to college, number 97. The 88 wouldn't have looked good, so I can what definitely relate to sense, that. Right? I can definitely <laughs> relate to that as well. But, but let's get to a reason why you're here, man. And you're promoting Bellator, your yep. first time on uh, Super Bowl Radio Row here. You're taking it all in. But we're talking about Bellator. And I think Bellator is a company who's who's come up out of the dust a little bit. And it's kind of put the UFC on notice. You know, I mean, uh, the, the last pay-per-view that took place... Um, Julia Budd, Chris Cyborg, thought it was a great fight, and Bellator, they have some rising stars coming up now, and they also have some seasoned vets as well. Oh, they most certainly do. Look, yeah. Bellator does great numbers. I was at Bellator last week, and they did a $2 million gate sold-out house at the Forum. I was at the UFC the week before that, $10 million gate sold-out house at, at, at T-Mobile. I know that people say competition is good, and I know people believe largely that the UFC and Bellator are competing. I don't know in practice how literal or true that statement is, only because unless you're going head-to-head on the same dates at the same time looking for the same audience to pick one channel or the other, I'm not sure about that. Look, when I walk into a store, Coke and Pepsi are now competing. Sure. I'm going to grab one or the other, and I'm only going to grab one of them. I'm going to walk up and pay my 60 cents. I'm not <laughs> positive how much Bellator and UFC is competing as much as they're operating in the same space. I think they do compete over talent. That's good for the talent. Yeah. I think that they do compete over athletes. That's good for the athletes. As far as I mean, it really looks like they've both found their own platforms, their own fan bases. I know that a lot of that is sharing, but you can share when you're not head-to-head on the same night. From your opinion, too, because I get it. The UFC, it's the UFC, right? It's the prestige. It's the pomp and circumstance. It's the elite of the elite. For sure. Do you feel that, though... Because now, obviously, because you're still prize fighters, though, right? I mean, I, I'm a prize fighter. So it's about making the money as well. And in terms of making the money, one could say, well, maybe you have a better future in Bellator. Maybe you have a better future, you know, fighting overseas and things like that. So from your perspective, I mean, does the UFC still carry that prestige, that pomp and circumstance? Or is it more about now, you know, making your money, getting in, getting out, and trying to be healthy? I think the UFC still does have a level of prestige yeah. in that a guy wants to touch down there at some point. He does yeah. want to be able to say I was a UFC veteran. And they do seem to have a 
uh, a mystique that their champion is better than somebody else's champion. I love what you're saying about the money, and an athlete has to be able to weigh that. Uh, the PFL is up and yeah. doing very well. One FC is happening in Asia, and they're doing very well. I don't know that financially speaking there's ever been a better time to be an athlete in mixed martial arts. There's just a lot of opportunity out there right now. When I got into it, minimum contract in the UFC was 2-2, two and two, which meant 2000 a show and 2000 a win. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was so happy. I was the richest guy in the world when sure. I got that $2,000 check. Yeah. Their minimum contract now is 10 and 10. Somebody just said they upped that to 12 and 12. I mean, you're talking about a 600% increase over uh, 20 years. Come on. I don't know of any business in the world th- that can brag about those kind of numbers uh, You know, on the bottom end. I don't think anybody has gone up that much. So it is a very, uh, very real thing that you are going to have to choose. And I, I think also you would serve yourself best to show a level of loyalty, to not be in Bellator having UFC envy, not be in the UFC and be making threats that I'm going to go to Bellator. Let your promoter know that you're here. They can trust you. You're a team player. Feel free to build me because I'm going to stick around for your ROI. You will get it back. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not going to keep you too much longer here, but we're obviously we're at the Super Bowl here. I have to get your Super Bowl prediction, number one, number two. Are you a big football guy, man? I know you went to Oregon. I'm not sure how Oregon was was as a football team when you were there. not sure if you're a big fan of them, but who are some of your teams and who are you uh, looking to, for this to win this weekend? You know what? The Ducks were great when I was there. Okay. We had uh, Joey Harrington. Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah He yeah, was yeah. up for the Heisman. Yeah. I think he was, you know... He was up for it. Yeah. Uh, we ended up second in the country while okay. I was there. So football was a very big deal. And, uh, you know, a lot of fun and a lot of energy. The game itself for me moves a little bit slow in all fairness, right? Sure. There's seven minutes of action over four hours. The yeah. other side of it is the experience and the environment that only football can bring. Yeah. I, you even look at college. They've got something called tailgating. I was an amateur wrestler. <laughs> Nobody ever thought of showing to an event early and having a barbecue and some <laughs> drinks and a motor home. I mean, this wasn't even talked about. Football and the phenomenon of football, the idea of football, the experience of football, they have done such a good job. Football deserves so much credit, and I assume that starts with the leadership on down to the players, the rules and the referees, and now they're starting to do things with helmets and CTE. They're giving a good look at this stuff. They've changed some of the rules and the tackling rules all the way down uh, to Little League guys that are playing at 9 and 10 years old. I think football deserves a lot of credit, and the experience is undeniable. One last question. You mentioned college wrestling real quick. You're like an ambassador, man, for obviously the transition from college wrestling to MMA, but you're just an ambassador, I feel like, for college wrestling in general. How proud are you right now as you sit here of how far college wrestling has come? You know, I mean, I was watching the Big Ten Network last yeah. night. They had three different, uh, you know, meets on, basically. I mean, it seems like wherever you turn on a channel, there's college wrestling on. How proud are you of that? Oh, thank goodness to the Big Ten Network. I mean, yeah. they've helped us so much. You know, we, we now have college wrestling matches that are selling out, if you can believe it. Now, that's yeah. rare. Minnesota will do that. Penn State will do that. I think Iowa had a big one. Iowa yeah. will pack the house. Oklahoma State still does very well. Maybe not sell us. But the point is, that is remarkable. And now you're talking about uh, being on the Big Ten Network. FS1 was carrying the, the Arizona State-Ohio State duel a couple of weeks ago. I didn't even know about it. Thank goodness I got a text message. I got to turn it on with my son. I mean, it was a real treat. There's not a lot of times you can turn on your television and see it. Flow Wrestling's done a great job exposing us all to uh, international talent and overseas competitions. Never been an easier time to be a wrestling fan, and that's yeah. saying a lot. Wrestling is one of these things you have to care about and do your research on to be able to keep up with. So I appreciate you giving it a shout out. Thank you. About a doubt, man. We appreciate you coming by here. We'll take up any more of your time. I know you've probably got a busy schedule ahead of you, man. Well, I've had had it with you anyway. Oh, I appreciate it, man. One last question. Who's who's winning? The Chiefs or the uh, 49ers? No, 49ers. Come on. 49ers, okay. You're too young to know this, but there was once a year called 1987, and the coolest man alive was called Joe Montana. Okay. I'm riding with Joe. All right. Sounds like a plan, dude. Thanks for stopping by. All right, we got more coming up from the uh, Super Bowl media party when we get back on ESPN 690 in Action Sports Jacks.
You know, he was a friend of mine. He was a mentor. Um, he meant a lot to, to, this, to this world, um, and he made a positive impact. And there's there's nothing that I can say to really qualify his impact on myself and, and on others. I just know how he would have, you know, wanted me to me to take this and, and to react, especially in this moment in this game. Um, you know, I was really sad yesterday, and I was sad this morning. I was I was kind of down. I mean, he would tell me stop being a baby and man up and and, and play it and do it in his honor and, and win this game for him. You know, and that's what we're gonna try to do. That's Richard Sherman talking about the late Kobe Bryant, of course, and so many people continue to weigh in on Kobe Bryant and the passing of. Uh, we just got done with a, a bunch of interviews with the Fox Network folks. Obviously, that was a topic. Uh, Terry Bradshaw, very eloquent on uh, Kobe Bryant and put things in perspective. You'll hear some of that throughout the rest of the week, maybe even a little bit later today. Brent Morton, along with Austin Lane, Stuart Weber, Marcel Robinson here at Super Bowl 54 in South Florida. Uh, Kuz back in the studio. Thanks for uh, getting through the first half hour. We had a little collision of times with the Fox Sports folks, but I tell you what, it was worth it. Uh, Joe Buck was fantastic. I asked him about his St. Louis Rams moving a couple of times as a kid and, and how that stung. Well, not just as a kid because a little bit later on, too. Uh, and he talked about fandom and winning in the NFL and the marriage between that. Really good perspective on the Oakland Raiders moving recently, and also the Jacksonville Jaguars with all this London talk of a couple of games. So not necessarily moving, but a couple of home games potentially taken away uh, from Jaguars fans. We'll discuss that. Uh, we caught up with a little bit of Gronk right at the end. Jay Glazer, a guy you know very well and knows that MMA stuff really well, uh, who, by the way, also uh, had some big thoughts uh, off-camera for Donovan Darius. He knows Donovan Darius very well back in the day when he was training for MMA and was doing some of the stuff with uh, Donovan. Uh, we also caught up with uh, Terry Bradshaw, Howie Long on, on Tony Baselli, Jimmy Johnson as well. So uh, all of those guys coming up in just a little bit. One of my favorite parts, I was just telling Stuart, I'm, I'm a sucker for that stuff here at Super Bowl week. I, I like because you don't always catch up with those guys. CBS does it, NBC does it, Fox does it. And, to, and we catch up with the NFL Network guys at more events because they're at the draft or they're at the Super Bowl. But it was really good to catch up with some of the Fox guys and, and you know, people see them and hear them all the time. But to get them on a Jags angle, because on those national shows, they don't really talk about the Jags, let's be honest. Sure. And so I asked Terry Bradshaw, Midshoe or Foles? And you'll want to hear that answer uh, coming up this week some of our conversations it was pretty funny stuff as always with Terry Bradshaw I do remember getting Bradshaw I think at Minnesota he had you know a funny story about Bradshaw he was sitting like the tables were just like this but it was really crammed in at the Mall of America in Minnesota yeah and so Bradshaw he was waiting to do another interview and I was at a table like this and he was like can I sit right here I'm Uh, like sure yeah I was like well, you got a couple minutes to do an interview, so we got him right here. I like basically it. Basically, just waiting and sitting. He How is, convenient, man! Oh yeah, he's tremendous. Doesn't get easier than that because uh, it, it can be difficult to bring some of these celebrities over here for an interview. Yeah, he's fantastic. So, um, by the way, did you did you feel the earthquake? I didn't feel the earthquake. I got a lot of text messages about it. I did not feel it. Apparently, there was an earthquake in the Caribbean, in Jamaica, and it could be felt at least in some parts of Miami. Magnitude of seven plus wow that's a big one wow in jamaica and uh, the islands have really been feeling it lately in terms of the earthquakes and puerto rico especially so there were some folks in miami in fact a building or two were evacuated from what i understand because of the shaking so we did not just to be honest, we did not feel it here i didn't feel anything uh, yeah and we were just doing those interviews and i just saw that coming out of there so uh like we were just 
we're not joking, but we're saying it was just rock dancing that we felt uh, he was he was doing a little Mexican salsa. Yeah. <laughs> is, that a, is that like a is that a, um, what's that called? Can you just say salsa? It doesn't have to be a Mexican salsa, right? Like salsa <laughs> dancing? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think. Me- yeah, I mean, there's is there, the, is there a difference between like a Mexican salsa, Spanish salsa, a, a is there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we're, we're probably crossing some lines right now. Are I mean, I don't I'm just messing. But like, I mean, like, there's salsa that you get like at a Tex-Mex spot. I'm talking That's about dancing. The dancing, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's just salsa dancing. Yeah. <laughs> It's just salsa dancing, and then there's what, what do you call it? He's call it flamenco dancing. That's the, that's along the Spanish. Is that Spanish too as well, Stuart? Hispanic. Yeah, Hispanic. Go. Okay, good. All right, dude, good. look at me, man. All cultured. I mean, yeah, very broad. Say, every time I say something, you try to say I'm crossing some line. Well, I just, just you know, just talking about dancing. Brent, 2020. You, you, you have to mind your p's and q's more than ever. Let's be honest. All right, so welcome back here to Super Bowl 54. You guys talked a little bit about opening night last night, so we'll get all the interviews ahead of everything uh, going on. You know, one topic I wanted to get into real quick. What about the Philip Rivers stuff mm-hmm. uh, out in L.A.? Is, is you know everybody's talking about uh, the Patriots and Tom Brady, and rightfully so. But where is Philip's Philip Rivers' career? I mean, talk about a crossroads. Does anybody want him? He's never been able to win. So does that steer teams away from him, even though he's super gifted and probably still is a little something in the tank? And the way Brady and Breeze has played, have played over these last few years in their elder years, I mean, you'd say, you know, Rivers might not be done, but then there is Eli Manning who looked like he was starting to fade. So he's 38. Mm-hmm. Is he done? Should he be done? Should he give it another go? Is there a team that could utilize him? I mean, so here's the thing, and it depends what Philip Rivers is looking for. Because, number one, Philip Rivers is never going to play a backup quarterback role, I believe. I, I think he's in it for the starting gig. And if you analyze the league right now, and you look at teams like the Colts, possibly the Titans, um, the Buccaneers perhaps, like teams that seem to be built pretty well, but can't really afford that rookie quarterback to try to you know buy him a couple years. You want a, a quarterback that can kind of come in right now and perform up to like an all-pro kind of level, or at least a Pro Bowl type of level. Philip Rivers could be that type of guy. So I think the market for a Philip Rivers, um, I think it could be you know pretty vast, truth be told. And I think it just comes down to is it going to be the long-term or a short-term short, short-term deal? I mean, if, if I'm a team, I'd probably only bring him for a year and then go from there. Um, to me, it's hard to try to sign Philip Rivers to a long-term deal, especially after last season. I get it. He tore the Jaguars apart, but let's be honest, a lot of quarterbacks did. And it makes you wonder how much he really does have left in the tank. So I can see a team definitely doing a one-year deal, but probably nothing more than that. Yeah, I'm kind of confused on him, too, to be honest with you, because I just think he needs a lot of help. The, the more and more you look at everybody in this NFL, the, the Brady struggled this year, right? Uh, Eli Manning was struggling toward the end here. Philip Rivers was not great this year, declining. Those are not mobile quarterbacks. Those are statue quarterbacks. They can't move. Even Drew Brees has a little bit of elusiveness, a little bit, at 41 years old. And you need to be able to wiggle, mm-hmm. at least. And those guys don't wiggle very well. So they have to really beat you with their smarts. And I think that's getting tougher and tougher to do, especially when your your arm strength starts to go. The thing that separates Brady, I believe, is still he's got his fastball. You know, so he has fastball. He's going to be able to create things. Uh, I would be very hesitant if I was a team. I don't know if I'd be that excited if I was Indianapolis, if I was yeah. Tennessee, if I was in Jacksonville, right? Which I am. <laughs> and and they had an opportunity to get Rivers. 
Well, I don't know if I'd be that excited and, about it. And keep in mind, Philip Rivers' regression occurred when Melvin Gordon came back. For whatever reason, they tried to give him the ball too much. Austin Eckler was kind of a, an afterthought, and it felt like the offense got jumbled up a little bit. But if you have Keenan Allen, if you have Hunter Henry, if you have Austin Eckler, Melvin Gordon, and you have a Mike Williams to take the top off of the deep threat, you have a lot of weapons at your disposal. And the fact that Philip Rivers couldn't really do well with those weapons it could maybe kind of prove that maybe the guy's got, you know, maybe very few left in the tank. Hey, we're going a little Jags flavor here at Super Bowl 54. DJ Chark coming up next, fresh off that Pro Bowl appearance, scoring a touchdown and a sensational sophomore season. DJ Chark up next, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, live from Super Bowl 54. That's Jimmy Garoppolo from the San Francisco 49ers talking about uh, this football game coming up on Sunday. Of course, we'll talk a lot more about it. Always interesting covering the Super Bowl with two teams that don't have, they don't have a lot of Jags flavor uh, with them. We, we caught up with some yesterday, but they play minimal roles on that football team to a degree. Uh, again, former linebacker coach Robert Sala uh, will play a big role in this football game, but he's the defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers. So we'll talk more about the game as the week goes along. We'll talk more to the players, and we did catch up with Chad Henney and others yesterday at opening night, former Jags, who uh, were in Jacksonville for a bit, had uh, some very good things to say about their time there and now are playing for a Lombardi Trophy and a Super Bowl ring. Brett Martineau, former Jags player Austin Lane, here at Super Bowl 54 in Miami. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. By the way, we have our Renna's Pizza Big Game Party giveaway uh, coming up this week. We want you to be a part of it. Along with ESPN 690, we're looking for a 30-second commercial. You can leave it on the social channels of ESPN 690 or call Star Star 690. Leave it there. Austin is delivering on Sunday if yes. you win. Keywords you have to have in your commercial about your party on Sunday. You have to include Renna's, ESPN 690, and Pizza Party. That's it. Four and different words. Brent, and there's no mountain I won't climb. There's no road I won't travel to get you that pizza hot, fresh, and uh, on time. All right. So uh, we have until Friday to collect all those. Make sure you're doing some work. Have some fun with it. We'll pick a winner on Friday here from Super Bowl 54. Right now, a big winner on Sunday in the Pro Bowl in Orlando was DJ Chark, the Jaguars wide receiver, coming off a sensational second year in the NFL. He was fantastic. And then had a big moment in the Pro Bowl as well with a touchdown catch of 60 yards. And he joins us right now via the telephone here at Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. DJ, thanks for taking a couple minutes, man. Uh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Hey, awesome uh, to see you guys out there on Sunday. And, and I would say the Jags did well. Calais Campbell, uh, defensive MVP for the AFC. Josh Allen did his thing uh, with a, a sack and a blocked extra point. And you got in the scoring column. How cool is it not only to play in that game, but then contribute and let everybody who was watching you around the country in that game celebrate with you? Oh, man, it was amazing. Um, being out there was definitely a great experience. You know, I'm humbled to be able to experience that in my second year. Um, as well as Josh, I know Josh in his first year, that's amazing. And to go there with Calais, who's been there numerous times, you know, he kind of had to show us the ropes. But uh, I had fun. Everybody was really great people and being on the field, being able to score a touchdown. You know, that's something that I'm going to remember. You know, my family going to remember. Uh, then getting to celebrate uh, with my teammates, that was great. DJ Chark with us. Uh, we're down in Miami, uh, South Florida, at Super Bowl 54. DJ uh, coming off that Pro Bowl in Orlando. It's been a busy uh, couple of weeks. And, and DJ, 
when the season's going on, you're just grinding, man. You're you're a guy that takes everything one day at a time. We get it. Uh, that's how it works. That's how it should be in that mentality. But did last week at the Pro Bowl, when you're around all those players and you play Sunday and, and you're talking to those folks, and maybe even a couple of weeks off after the season, did it put in perspective what you accomplished in 2019? I know it wasn't a banner year for the football team in terms of wins and losses, but it was a coming-out party for you as a professional football player, professional wide receiver. Uh, did you have time to put that in perspective at all in the last few weeks? Uh, I think hearing Michael Vick speak to us and telling us, you know, he made it to the Pro Bowl, I think, three or four times, and uh, Michael Vick, to me, was, you know, huge growing up. And, you know, you would think he'd be in the Pro Bowl 10, 11, 12 times. And that just showed me that, you know, you can't take that for granted. Like, making it to the Pro Bowl, you really have to do something special to be considered. You know, I was able to play in my first one with guys who I've been seeing ball for six years now, who we both making our first appearance, and it's just very humbling. Uh, it made me realize that I was able to achieve something um, on the individual level. But, you know, this game coming up is an even bigger game. So uh, it still gives you something to work forward to and being able to experience that with um, your teammates that you're working with every day, you know, all year. You know, that that's my next goal. I really want to be able to achieve something big with this team. Hey, what's up, DJ? Austin Lane here. And back when I used to play, and I'm sure you still hear it to this day, um, when you go from your rookie year into your second year, you make the biggest leap. You make the biggest stride. And I think you showed that, um, obviously, this season, making your first Pro Bowl, and hopefully there's many more to come. My first question to you is, what was that stride like? What was that transition like to go from a rookie where you're just trying to learn the game, obviously, and then going to the off season this past year, and now you're kind of equating to the NFL a little bit, and now you can kind of focus on what you need to do. What was that progression like? Uh, for me, that first year, uh, it was my first time living out of the state of Louisiana, being on my own, finding um, what, what works for me. Uh, but the second year after being through it, I was able to, get help, you know, supporting help um, in place, you know, taking um, my studies more serious from when I go to bed to when I wake up in the morning, you know, being in practice on time, actually getting treatment, you know, uh, actually learning defenses, uh, things like that really helped me out this year. And taking it one day at a time, you know, instead of, you know, just worrying about game day trying to master the game plan on that first day of practice on Wednesday when I'm running routes, uh, trying to get, you know, the timing right with Nick and Gardner. Uh, those things really helped me out this year, uh, you know, because uh, being able to catch my first touchdown pass to catch a multiple, again, to have my first 100-yard game, and now my first 1,000-yard season, I feel like I know what it feels like. I know what it takes to do it now. So, you know, it just gives me a, uh, another advantage moving into this year. And when you talk about the advantage and, and the ability to transition uh, to a new season, obviously now you're done with the Pro Bowl, you're going to take a little time off, right? You're going to rest your body. You're going to rest your mind. You absolutely have to do those things in order to be successful in the NFL. But I guess my next question is, so after you do that, after you rest and everything, you're ready for the new season, how, how do you grow on that? How do you not be satisfied with your Pro Bowl showing of your second year? How do you actually progress and get even better your third year? 
Oh, I got a lot of goals, you know, that I want to achieve. Uh, I usually don't, you know, speak on my uh, personal goals. Uh, I just, you know, try to work towards them. But, you know, this year was good, but it was by no means great for me. Uh, you know, I'm not satisfied at all. And, you know, I still have things I want to do individually and as a team. And, you know, I want to be able to bring other guys, you know, with me and experience success, you know. And same as, like, that's why I admire Calais. He's always trying to bring guys with him. And being able to experience something like this shows me why he has that passion that he has. You know, I always call him an old man because he's always speaking <laughs> with him all the time. But, um it's kind of like that moment where your parents say you something your whole life you don't believe then it happens. He said my parents told me that. I kind of look at him as a, a role model in that aspect. Um, guys like uh, Nick, who I talked to all year, who helped keep me um, grounded the whole year, um, helped teach me a lot about defenses and audibles. And just being around guys that know the game, that's been around, that's seen it all, that's seen Super Bowls, Pro Bowls, things like that. And I feel like there's no way that, you know, I should be putting limitations on myself. So I'm just going to continue to strive and continue to try to get better every year. Well, the trend is certainly up for DJ Chark, Jaguars wide receiver, going into his third year. Uh, Joined Brent Martin of Austin Lane here in Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 down at Super Bowl 54. And you brought up something that's really interesting. And, uh, you know, obviously the big topic all year and the big topic of the offseason is going to be the quarterback stuff with Nick Foles and Gardner Minshew. But... How, as a player, how impressed were you with Foles? Because I've heard that from several guys now. His role, even though he was hurt, or even though he went back to the bench, um, were you almost surprised that someone could handle themselves the way they did? And, and were there more examples of that from Foles uh, that you saw throughout the year? Um, honestly, at this point, I'm not surprised at all. You know, when he came in, uh, you got a person, you got assessing his personality and his beliefs, and I feel like he's very strong in his beliefs. Uh, and I feel like that helped me as well. And, you know, he always took time, you know, to talk to me about anything on the field or off the field. My success is, you know, he told me about uh, when he went to the Pro Bowl, he told me about when he won the Super Bowl, you know, uh, having to step into those big crucial moments and, you know, how to deal with those. And one thing I can say is, you know, he lived by what he say. You know, the things that he preached, you know, I can definitely say he lived by him. Uh, feel like he went through challenges, but uh, he never uh, wavered at all in his beliefs. And that's a, that's a leader, you know. And then there's uh, Gardner Minshew, man. He's a different cat. <laughs> how yeah. much fun How much fun was Gardner? Uh, and, and I guess how impressed were you with the rookie uh, this season? Um. Uh, you know, me and Gardner are, are really, really cool. You know, uh, I talked to him not that long ago while he was, you know, driving around the world in his RV. Uh, you know, I'm very, I'm very impressed with him. You know, he, he stepped into a situation that I can honestly say that if I was put in the same situation as a rookie, I probably, well, I can definitely say I wouldn't have, you know, performed the way he did this year. And, you know, to go from, you know, being drafted, what six round to six round yeah. having everybody in the stands with mustaches on their face <laughs> watching you know that's a that's a pretty big that's a pretty big deal that's a lot of pressure to be putting on you know 
a first-year quarterback, and let alone he have to lead a team into, you know, some pretty tough situations. But, you know, he never wavered either. He stood strong. One thing I admire is um, him and Nick, their, their connection, their bond. You know, even on the outside, people try to tear that apart. They was really, really um, close. You know, I always saw him, you know, listening to Nick. Nick uh, always being willing to talk to him. Uh, and I think that really helped the team. That definitely helped the team. DJ, we talk about Gardner Minshew, obviously. It's the jean shorts. It's the mustache. It's the bandana. Yeah. That's what fans love about him, right? But, um... From the player's perspective, I've heard this word uttered a couple times from a couple of his teammates. I'm not sure if you're one of those guys included, but you hear on the sidelines, they go, he's a dog. He's a dog. He's a dog. And and to me, that's the ultimate compliment, right? Like, that's all the compliment. I don't care what kind of sport you're playing, football, basketball. If someone calls you the dog, that's the ultimate form of respect. So my question to you is, we see the Gardner Minshew off the field, the cool press conferences, you know, the, the, the crazy style and all this crazy stories and stuff like that. But what is it about Gardner Minshew in that locker room, on the practice field, on the field, uh, during a game that we're not seeing that makes him the dog, that makes him, you know, fun to play for? I mean, you know, I just came back uh, from getting treatment at the stadium today uh, from the game. Uh, I got back to Jacksonville. So I went up there and Gardner's in there working out with the strict coaches. You know, they got the music blaring. Uh, things like that. And I think that's what makes him a dog, you know. Um, he's willing to work, you know. He's he's always there for competition. He's not going to back down no matter what the situation is. He's not going to get um, rattled. And that's the type of guy that you can, you know, put trust in. And he's a great guy off the field, you know. Uh, jokes all the time. But, it's a different feeling when you're joking with a guy that you know when y'all put the pads on, he's going to give it 110%. And uh, that's the thing that I like the most about Garner. Um, you know, he's he's a brother to me, and I feel like I can always count on him. And, you know, the strength coach is actually, when I'm going to be in there, and I'm still going to take a few days off. But, uh, <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I'm going to take a few days off, but, Actually, seeing going in there made me say, "Yeah, I need to, I need to get up and go do something uh, soon." <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I guess I mean Milo used to tell us to take a whole month off, but I guess with Gardner Minshew now, that whole uh, philosophy and that mindset's kind of changed a little bit. All right, so we talked about dogs a little bit, DJ. Let's talk about cats now, man. Your cat dance is obviously is a pretty popular thing. Start at the Senior <laughs> Bowl, it, you know, is is now uh, kind of anonymous with Jacksonville Jaguars fans. My question to you, though, is do you keep it fresh? Do you come out with something new next year? Or do you kind of go with the old standby? Kind of what got you there with the cat dance going forward? You know, I feel like that's like the retro. You know, you can always <laughs> come out with it's a new shoe, but you might have to throw it back to the retro sometimes. <laughs> so I'm going to break it out sometimes, but I'm going to try to keep it keep it fresh. You know, I'm going to come out you know, like in the, uh, in the Pro Bowl. I didn't know. I wasn't expecting, you know, to break the 60 yarder. So as I'm running down there, I was trying to think of what should I do. I had a lot of time, so uh, I was still thinking. So uh, I just decided to, you know, hit the little front flip. Um, but the, the, uh, my teammates were satisfied with that. So we had a little um, jigging session on the sideline for a little bit. But, uh, you know, I try to keep it, keep it fresh. I asked uh, my friends and people, what should I do? Uh, this year I'm going to give it. Some uh, consideration with my teammates. Young like the jigging, so uh, if he say he wants some jigging, I'm gonna have to uh, do that for him and Miles. 
Well, if you give some consideration too, man, does a part of you want to help Josh Allen out with his sack dance and everything? Because I mean, the, the guy's a Pro Bowler now, mm-hmm. man. I feel like he has to have a, like a Pro Bowl kind of sack dance. I ain't gonna lie, the uh, the little shimmy with the with the <laughs> love the constant thing thing that was kind of fire, you know. Uh, <laughs> but I think I think we need to get together, get a suggestion box, you know, uh, <laughs> and see and see what the people around the facility want to see. <laughs> I always love the dynamic. DJ Chark with us, Jags wide receiver. We're going to wrap up, too, let you go, man. I appreciate taking a few minutes. Uh, but you are so calm, cool, collected, kind of quiet guy that we talk to all the time, at least the guy we know. Yet there's that fire, that energy, and that big personality inside that shows out on that football field, which is pretty cool. And speaking of personality, I just want to go touch like an LSU Tiger because I feel like my month, my week, my year will be a lot better if I do. I mean, you had a great season. Uh, Leonard had a great season. Tyron Matthews in the in the Super Bowl. LSU wins a national championship. Joe Burrow's the talk of the world. It's pretty good to be an LSU Tiger right now, huh? Oh yeah, uh, this this the year. This this was definitely the year to be a Tiger. Um, we're not a Clemson Tiger, but a LSU <laughs> Tiger for sure. Uh, but yeah, you know, I tell I told the receivers at LSU, you know. That game be on Saturday. They kind of inspired me that I had to go a little harder on Sunday because you know they was going crazy. So uh, I think it's definitely a brotherhood, and we feed off each other. And that's one thing I like about LSU. It's always love when you go back. You know, be blessed enough to have a lot of talented players. You know, in the NFL, you can pretty much do a jersey swap every game, and it's uh it's always communication going on. And those guys always inspire me. Uh, being on the team with Jarvis Landry. That definitely inspired me uh, this week. You know, he's definitely passionate at all times. Uh, so it's, it's definitely an honor to say that I went to LSU. Yeah, and you had a big year. LSU had a big year. And uh, DJ doesn't even know this. We have one small connection. You don't even know this, Austin. DJ's from Alexandria, Louisiana, kind of in the mm-hmm. middle of nowhere, Louisiana. My first job <laughs> in TV. Yeah. Alexandria, Louisiana. Nice, nice. Right, so I yeah. know a little about, about Alexandria, Louisiana. I like it. My wife was taught it, at Bolton High School, though. <laughs> uh, no, actually, we were at KLAX, and I don't think it exists anymore. So, oh. But you're right. You just mentioned the station there that was... That was uh, a competition, kinda, huh? Well, yeah, that's kind of like the legendary station okay. in, in Alexandria. But uh, I, I, I might have brought this up to you one time. Tunks is the place that we used to go to. That was back in 1999. I hope it still exists. Oh, yeah, there. All right. Yeah, there. Hey, listen, here's the deal. I'll set this up with Brooksy or something, but I want to go back. We'll go back to your hometown, do a little story on you in Alexandria, and I'll take you out to Tunks, okay? I bet. That's a deal. All right, good deal. (laughs) DJ Chark, uh, happy for you, man. Great season. Looking forward to uh, 2020 for you as well. Thanks for taking a few minutes. Thank you. All right, DJ Chark, Jaguars wide receiver. Isn't that funny about guys? Like, listen, I kind of you you are who you, your personality. I could tell, kind of like off the field, on the field. Sure, Chark's a quiet dude. Yeah, like he's a quiet, well, reserved, kind of calculated, um, just really nice young man. Mm-hmm. But on the field, then you see the like. I'm almost surprised sometimes when not the, yeah the playful side yeah. on, on the touchdown celebrations, sure. and there's a little bit more in there that we don't get to see. It's kind of like. I think he's going to have a career as he continues to grow professionally and put up these kind of numbers. Numbers that I think that um, that curtain will be peeled back a little bit more and more and more yeah. as he goes along. Uh, and by the way, this is—I'm not being critical. I think oh, no, a, sure. I think it's a cool thing. It's it's wild to me that dynamic, and I, I feel like he's a heck of a football player. I don't think this was a one-off thing. 
I think yeah. it was about to be a heck of a career for DJ Chark, hopefully in a Jags uniform for a long time. Well, ago. yeah, and that was great talking because that was actually the first conversation I ever had with DJ Chark. So it was cool to kind of, you know, pick his brain a little bit and kind of gather his personality. And I, I think he hit it on the head, Brent, especially, you know, the, these younger rookies coming in. I mean, I get it. Back when I was a rookie, it was 10 years ago, so I was different. But I think it's still kind of the same landscape where it's got to be like, all right, Yes, sir. No, sir. You know, you, you want to portray yourself as a professional. But when you're on the field, man, of course you're a professional, but your field's like the playground. Like, yeah. you, your field, you can have fun Let and kind of loose, turn right? it loose a little bit. And especially, yeah. you're with your brothers, man. You're with that camaraderie. So, of course, you're going to have some fun there. So, I, I do agree where on the field, man, you can be whatever you want. But off the field, it does take time to develop that personality and kind of be yourself and stay true to yourself. Good, good guy. And uh, you could see the escalation of him as a pro in year two. That just not only on the field, off the field as well. Congratulations on a great season. We appreciate the time. DJ Chark of the Jacksonville Jaguars. We come back, we talk more football and more who we've talked to. It's on the way. <laughs> Action Sports Jacks, live from Super Bowl 54 on ESPN 690. Listen, I think when you're younger, as many championship games as we went to and then the Super Bowl, you felt like that was going to be an every year thing. But you find out real quick that's not how it goes. I tell our young guys that. that listen, you cherish the moment. That's the way the NFL is. So. Well, that's Andy Reid. You know, back in uh, 2005 in Jacksonville was in that Super Bowl and lost the New England Patriots. And here we are mm-hmm. some 15 years later. And Andy Reid's back in the state of Florida, back at a Super Bowl, but for the first time this time with the Kansas City Chiefs. And I kind of forget how people felt about that game. Philly was really good. Uh, Patriots are obviously always good, and they didn't have the stigma grown to what it became like in 2008 through 12, 13, 14, even recently. But I think people thought Philly could win that game with uh, Donovan McNabb and uh, Terrell Owens and those guys. Well, I think he's in even a better place right now in Brent, terms of confidence. I'll, of t- winning the game. I'll tell you, as someone who was in Philly at the time, I'm pretty sure that whole city thought they were also going to win. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then when I, I believe McNabb was thrown up on the field, that's when everyone got a little nervous. Uh, yeah, I, rem- yeah. I remember that vividly. And that's always stayed uh, with him, you know, and it became a big – there's rift still recently with Donovan McNabb and Terrell Owens. Yeah. You know, there was something I saw on social media last week that uh, – Don McNabb had said and kind of one of these look back things, not just about that game and season, but in general. And Terrell Owens kind of took to Twitter and they kind of got into beef that way. So, uh, but here's Andy Reid again. And I think, again, I, I think from teams that you look at that have this supreme confidence, the Patriots always have because they've won so many times. But you go back to the greatest show on turf in, in St. Louis Rams and you go now to the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't remember feeling for a team that you should have so much confidence coming in because of what you can do. I liken it to the St. Louis Rams. I liken it to some of the Patriots teams. And uh, I think Kansas City's more of that than San Francisco, Mm -hmm. even though San Francisco can win the game. But I would just ride with Kansas City because they look unstoppable at times. Yeah, you know, and listen, when you compare Andy Reid, the coaching tree of the Bill Belichick's, like, listen, it's hard to compare the Patriots to a lot of things because they're always going to be the outlier. But to me, of course, Andy Reid is the offensive genius that he is. But what he also brings, which a lot of coaches honestly can't say, is wherever he's been, he's been successful, okay? Whether it was in Philly, whether it was an assistant coach in Green Bay, or whether it's in Kansas City now. And if you look at the, you know, the coaching career of Andy Reid, 
he's always had the ability to stay true to himself, right? We always talk about the modern era NFL play. We always talk about the me, 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 ask why, 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 why. Well, the cool thing about Andy Reid, and, you know, obviously I got to play it from a little bit, so I saw it firsthand, is the fact that his coaching style, Brent, it can fit any kind of player. Because at the end of the day, he's going to expect a lot out of you. If you mess up, obviously he's going to chew you out like any coach is going to do. But he's such a player's coach where it's just like, you're a professional. You know, you're, you're a grown man. Go out there and do your job. If you don't do your job, I'll call you out. And if you can't do your job, I'll replace you. Simple as that. So it's never this, you know, trying to cuss you out, trying to embarrass you like some coaches kind of have that ego to do. It's just that from the standpoint of this is just a player's coach kind of guy, a very casual head coach who holds his players to a high standard. But if you look in that Chiefs locker room, I'm sure if you looked in that Eagles locker room, they're made up of old guys. They're made up of guys like, you know, Anthony Sherman, like I talked to yesterday, who's the older guy. There's young guys like Travis Kelsey, who still kind of comes across as a young guy a little bit. But they all love to play for Andy Reid, and they all want to win the big one for him. And that comes down to Andy Reid's coaching style, where it can literally transcend any kind of generation. It can transcend any kind of background. Brent Martin, Austin Lane, Action Sports Shacks, Marcel Robinson, Stuart Weber, all down here in South Florida in Miami, Super Bowl 54. It's time to give away a $50 PDQ gift card, and then welcome in John Bachman in just a moment. $50 gift card to PDQ. We're giving one away right now. Caller number five. How about McNabb from 2005? Let's get it. I like it. 2005, McNabb. Yep. McNabb was five, right? Yeah, uh, he was. Yes, right, thanks. Yeah, you're sometimes welcome. I, I, I get old sometimes. You're all and, good, uh, man. I think I know, and then sometimes I'm like, oh no, I really don't know. <laughs> but I did know that time. Uh, so let's give away a PDQ gift card right now. Nine zero four three six two nine nine zero one. Caller number five to Coos Star Star six ninety. Another way to get in. Buy one get one free this weekend only. Twenty five or fifty chicken tender platters. Really good deal. Buy one get one free. And it's only good Saturday and Sunday as you get ready for the big game. Maybe have your party uh, coming up on Sunday. So uh, $50 gift card right now, 904-362-9901. Caller number five. As we welcome in John Bachman back in the Action Sports Jack studio, stopping up from Action News Jack, CBS 47 and Fox 30. Hey, John, I know you know this, but I guess we had an earthquake somewhere well, I was, here. Well, I was just going to ask you if you guys felt it because uh, Miami Police Department's uh, just tweeting that they're setting up their uh, unified command in the Brickell neighborhood, which is just south of downtown Miami, as I'm looking on my Google Maps here, um, where there were buildings that were shaking because of this 7.7 magnitude earthquake between Jamaica and Cuba. So, you know, about uh, 150 miles south of, of Miami. Yeah, John, what's going on in the islands right now with all the earthquakes? Is there, uh, I, I, mean, I don't pay attention to all of it. I see some of the headlines, but Puerto Rico uh, yes. in the last few weeks has been hit uh, several times. Yeah, they've, they've felt this. the brunt of it. Is there something going on? I mean, is I don't, something? I don't know. I, that's a good question. I'm going to have to ask uh, Mike Burrish that actual question um, as soon as I go back downstairs because yeah, that's sorry, a really I good you, question. I know you're not like a scientist. I'm well, just saying. <laughs> I, I, just, I didn't know if I missed something like, hey, this is the reason this is happening right now. I, I'm sure that we, we both probably have because there seems to be something happening. Clearly, you don't have you know what's been like two or three pretty good-sized earthquakes that have really caused a lot of damage uh puerto rico and then now you've got this really big one now this one was off the coast a bit um and it doesn't sound like anybody was hurt at least not in jamaica that i could find so far um, which is good news 7.7 is very big 
Um, you know, uh, usually you, you hear that and you get worried about tsunamis, and I don't think there's been anything on that yet either. I'm still kind of searching through as I as I talk to you, but um, yeah. So you guys didn't feel it. Now, where is the Hard Rock Cafe? You guys aren't even at the stadium. You're no, at, we're the at the convention, convention center? center. So we're literally like uh, I would say what four or five blocks from South Beach. Sure. And okay, so, so you're so you would have you would you're not that far from the Brickell well, neighborhood. I don't then. know, no, man. I, I was watching cartoons when it happened, so who knows what happened? I mean, well, I wasn't paying attention to the earthquake. You were I guess. cartoons. I was interviewing Gronkowski. I'm a, Isn't that the I'm same a laptop? Thing? Well, I'm a, uh, pretty much, man. <laughs> very similar. I'm not sure who was more entertained during that whole thing. Uh, but yeah, we were serious. We were in the convention center down the hall. In fact, I missed the first half hour radio. We we're getting the Fox guys, Terry Bradshaw, Howie Long, uh, uh, Gronkowski, and and the like, and came out of there and heard about it. So no, so uh, no, to you be did not feel honest. Didn't feel anything. Okay. Not even would even expect that. Of course, uh, it's so it's amazing how me at least, and I don't know if I'm alone. It's so ingrained to think that earthquakes just happen in California. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Like that's my mind. Well, that's, I mean, like that's where the big ones no, seem for to occur sure. in our country. That's the fact. But I mean, they've had uh, you know some small earthquakes up and down the East Coast. I mean, they had you know, recently, I think. North Georgia and Tennessee and well, North Carolina have all had small tremors. I remember going through one when I was in college, my junior year at Murray State, Kentucky. There's one in Kentucky actually yeah. that I that I literally woke up from. I was wondering what was going on. Did I drink a little too much the previous night? <laughs> well, the answer it, it, was yes. Well, I mean, probably was. Yeah, it was during the week. Brent, come on, let's let's be serious now. But it was it was, it was a crazy feeling, man. Every day ends everything's in y, shaking buddy. and everything's falling off. So that's a good point. Yeah. it is five o'clock somewhere, Brent. I've uh, never experienced an earthquake firsthand. I've been through tornadoes, obviously hurricanes, but never uh, an earthquake. Yeah, uh, me either. And I, I'm not saying that I want to, by the way. I'm just saying I've never never experienced it. I would imagine it's very disconcerting, especially for the big ones where, you know, there's damage happening. Uh, you know, I remember vividly, was it the 88 World Series? Yes. Um, man, that was, was awful. Was it 88 or 90? No, I think it was 88. I want nah, to was it, it was the Actually, it was the, it was was the Oakland A's and was it the Dodgers? Was it yeah. the A's and the Dodgers? Yeah, it was the Bay. Um, I mean, it was the California World Series. Right, which was the A's and the Dodgers, right? Yeah. But I think that 88 was the year, no, uh, you're right. what's his name, hit the home run, Gibson. Yeah. And Wasn't okay. that the same World Series, though? I don't know. I think it was 89. Hang on. Was, I have this thing called the computer in my hands. Um, meanwhile, while you look that up, yep. I want to, uh, a statement issued by the Don, Donovan Darius's family today, this afternoon. Yes. Uh, and I'll read it. It's very short. But it says, the family of Donovan Darius would like to thank the community for your outpouring of love, prayers, and encouraging words. More importantly, we appreciate your continued belief and support of him as a leader and champion for children and families in Jacksonville and beyond. John, can you give us the latest on Donovan Darius from a maybe legal standpoint? I can't right now. I'll be honest. I've been out of the office most of the day, so I don't know the latest on that situation right this second. But I'm sure we'll have whatever the update is at five. But I really can't speak to yeah, that. Yeah, I at think the I saw something earlier this morning that he had um, uh, whatever he, he's had out of, been released. He's right? out of jail. That much yes. I can tell you. Okay. Yeah, he okay. has po- he has posted bond and, and he's out of jail. Okay. But I don't know anything more than that at this point. Yeah, and I think everybody's still fishing for answers. I will tell you here, I just said uh, within the last half hour, we were talking to Jay Glazer, and before we went on camera with him, he asked about Donovan Darris, said he tried to reach out to him in the last couple of days, see if he needed any help, uh, because he knows him from working out back in the late 90s when he was with Jacksonville, and Glazer was working out in Jacksonville with him. So uh, it's you know that, that word travels quick, and, and people are curious and, and wondering if Donovan Darris is okay, really one of the likable yeah. former Jaguars uh, that, that still remains in our area 
and uh, we're still thinking about him, but not well, a lot of answers right now when it comes to Donovan Darius. No, you certainly hope that if, in fact, he does need help, he gets it. And it sounds like, you know, the families, uh, with that statement, it seems like they're at least aware of it, and hopefully somebody will step in. What you got, 88 or 89? 89. It was definitely the 89 series, so you were right. All right, good deal. Um, um, yeah, 88 was, the, that, was the 88 Dodgers-Yankees? Why do I have 88 in my head? No, 88 was Dodgers. That was the okay. Gibson home run, so they went yeah. back-to-back. Okay. Uh, they didn't win. The A's won in 89 with the Bash brothers. Right. Who Wait, was, was in it against the Dodgers in 88, though? Was that the know, Yankees? Don't look at me, man. I was too. Yeah, that was the Bash It should have been the Bash brothers, but that was like... Uh, the, yeah, LaRusso was the manager, yeah. and was uh, it Eckersley was the... Stewart. Stewart yep, was the Stewart. Pitcher, right? Eckersley uh, was the uh, relief pitcher. Yeah. Um, so, they had another big starter, too, didn't they? Anyway. Uh, yeah, but they had, who's the third baseman? Car, uh, Carney Lansford. Oh, yeah, Lansford. Oh, that was a good poll right there. Oh, Carney right. Lansford. Hey, that's good. <laughs> I'm you work you for it, dude. Minshew <laughs> reminds me of Lansford a little bit. Or the other way around, now that yeah. I think about that. Didn't he have a great stash? He did have a stash. Oh, right. He had like a, a little meaty, long hair coming meaty out. meaty stash. Yeah. yeah, buddy. He's like he's like Minshew's version for baseball. <laughs> On the hot corner there. Of course, that was a wild team, uh, the Oakland A's. Oh, it was. Uh, back oh, in the day. Right. it was. Hey, what else you have coming up tonight? Five Five o'clock, CBS 47 and Fox 30. Well, uh, a big shakeup. You see what I did there? A big shakeup at JEA. Um, as you know, the uh, CEO was fired not that long ago, Aaron Zahn. Uh, but today they made it official by firing him uh, with cause, which is a huge deal for the ratepayers and taxpayers of Jacksonville because um, if you fire him with cause, they don't have to pay him as much. Uh, he was going to make as much as $800,000 even if he was fired, if he was fired without cause. So he was fired with cause today. Um, I, you know, It sounds like he may be lining up things to perhaps appeal that. But for now, he's been fired with cause. And the entire JEA board is stepping down. Um, so there has wow. been a major, major shift uh, in, in the JEA situation, really. That's the best way to sum it up. It has been um, a situation. Yeah, it sure has. Uh, d- where, does this impact where they were moving to, their headquarters, all that stuff that came out in the last year well, prior to this whole privatization talk? Uh, do you know? Well, that's a good question. Uh, here's what we know. They they announced that they were not going to Lot J, of course, that yeah. they're moving uh, more, well, in that same area where they already are. And um, I would I would suspect that that's separate, but I don't know for sure if this has uh, delayed some of those discussions because obviously um you know leadership has changed a whole bunch of other folks have stepped down um uh i think it was a cfo i don't want to get the 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 titles wrong but there have been other leaders for jea that have stepped down recently so my guess is that project has been put a little bit on the back burner as they get all this stuff situated but i haven't heard that it's not happening um but that is uh that is something we'll have to look into um but right now we're kind of focusing on what does this mean for for the folks who get their utilities from JEA, right? Yeah, because absolutely. that's the that's, that's the big question. Immediately, that's important. Absolutely, yes. but yeah. All right, uh, tonight five o'clock, CBS forty-seven, Fox thirty. I'll have a report from the Super Bowl as well, and then later tonight, ten o'clock until eleven thirty, CBS forty-seven and Fox thirty. John Bachman, Tanika Hughes, Mike Burrish, and our sports team. Thanks for stopping in, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Go find somebody who felt that earthquake for us. We'll put them on TV. I know. I'm, I'm working that story. Working okay. a news angle. Yeah, down exactly. Here at the Super Bowl. All right, man. Thanks, for All right. Us. Thanks much. Have fun.
All right, uh, that's uh, John Bachman. Brett Martineau, Austin Lane, Stuart Weber, Marcel Robinson here at Super Bowl 54. We're going to take a timeout. We will have another $50 PDQ gift card to give away the next hour. We'll also have some interviews coming up, including in our next segment. There are some things that you want to tease. And let's be honest, you over-tease at times, and it doesn't hit home with everybody. This is not an oversell. The Terry Bradshaw on Gardner Minshew is pretty classic. And we're going to play it coming up. It's 98 seconds of gold from Terry Bradshaw. And it's coming up next. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Live from Super Bowl 54 here in Miami. Um, he plays the Chiefs twice a year, so he's got he's got his pass rush tips for me. But uh, just enjoy the moment because stuff like this doesn't happen too often. What did he say about getting to Patrick Mahomes in those pass rush tips? Just uh, I can't give those away, but uh, <laughs> but uh, just contain him in the pocket because he could extend some plays. Yeah, good luck with that. That's uh, Nick Bosa talking about how to stop Patrick Mahomes. Joey Bosa, of course, his brother, plays in the same division with the Chargers in the AFC West, so faces Mahomes quite a bit over the last few years. And uh, it's going to be hard to contain Patrick Mahomes, no doubt about it. He's a special cat. Yeah. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Action Sports Jack, Stuart Weber, Marcel Robinson, down here at Super Bowl 54 in South Florida as we approach uh, the 5 o'clock hour. About two hours ago now, we stopped in and talked to some of the Fox Sports talent, the analysts, uh, who, by the way, over the years have become stars off the field. <laughs> Terry Bradshaw for... Dan, uh, not Dancing with the Stars. He no. was with the Mass Singer. The Mass Singer. Yeah, he was and, the deer. And he he's just like a character. You know, I yeah. mean, for a whole couple of generations now, we know him as a broadcaster, the mass singer, this character guy, instead of the football player who won four Super Bowls. You, you have to Google that yeah. now. Um, Howie Long looks like he could still play, by the way. His two kids have now played in the league, or two of his kids. Uh, you played with one of them, right? Uh, well, I mean, or yeah. So, know, oh, no, Kyle. Yeah, so Kyle and I, and we spent some time together, obviously, in Chicago. So, I mean, yeah, Kyle was, you know, he was a staple there. He just um, chose to walk away. I, I don't think he actually put, like, his official retirement in, but he said he's taking some time yeah, off. So that, one yeah. would think that um, he may, in fact, be in done playing. But he's actually the last fight that I, uh, I mean, he's, he's the last dude I ever got in a fight with uh, <laughs> on NFL practice field. So uh, I hold him to in very high regard and very high ranking, let's just say. <laughs> Shout out to Kyle Long. <laughs> Uh, Good dude. And Chris Long retired, right? No. Chris, well, yeah, Chris Long retired a while a ago. Yeah, ago. correct. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah and yeah. was the Waltz Payton Man of the Year. Correct. Yep. Uh, for all he's done, I think, uh, Whoa, internationally geez. to... Donated his entire paycheck of the year to different, like, various charities, I think, around the Philadelphia area. So, like, schools, um, I think children's hospitals, like, every single week, his entire paycheck went someplace else. And I've seen stories on him. He's, like, he's trying to make clean water in uh, other countries. Mm-hmm. And has this big initiative to do that. So, uh, interesting. You know, we talk about the Manning name. Yeah. Underrated is the long name yep. in football, in the NFL. Pretty interesting legacy for, for that family. They don't play the quarterback position, so it comes with a little bit less fanfare. But Howie Long still looks like he could play. So, anyway, we talked we to a lot him. of these guys, and, and they had a bunch of them in the room. We couldn't get to everybody. He had to hustle back for the show. Uh, and one guy, he always have to catch up with is Terry Bradshaw. Correct. And... I have questions for each of these guys that I want Jacksonville-related. And they'll answer anything, which is really cool. It's not just about Super Bowl. People are asking about the Super Bowl. But honestly, we're going to hear them for the next six days talking about the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I want a little Jacksonville connection. So Howie Long asked him about Baselli. We'll hear it later in the week. 
Bradshaw, one, if you were the guy, Minshew or Foles, who would you ride with? And now you got to be a little patient here because he was sweating profusely, <laughs> giving a napkin at a time to, to clean some of his sweat. But this guy is just an absolute character. Treasure. He's fun to listen to. It's coming up right now. Uh, caught up with Terry Bradshaw, the Hall of Famer, just a short while ago. If I put you in charge of the Jags this year, Minshew or Foles, who are you rolling with? Coming up? Coming up. Well, boy, now I love Nick Foles. Wonderful man. Love him. Um, but I would not have brought... Foles back when Minshew was doing so well. Because what happened is, it probably, I think it took a little, uh, maybe a little confidence away from him. Probably asking himself, what, wasn't I doing a good enough job, so on and so forth, which he was. So I would have stayed with Minshew. Coming back now, I think, I think Nick will be fine coming back and they can fight it out. But if they... If they think that Minshew is their answer, long term, bad as I hate to say this, then you send Foles back to Philly. They'll take him back. Hey, he's got a statue there, man. Do you like the character that Minshew is? Got that whole thing. I like that. You know what? I wish I had the balls. Have a. I do now. Look, but I wish I'd have had that. That's just so cool. I like his swagger. You know what? You know what he reminds me of? Joe Namath. Yeah. Joe Namath, just cool, just a cool dude. Shirt undone, chain. Maybe he's patterned himself after Joe. I don't know anything about him. Where'd he go? Washington State. Washington State. Yeah, yeah he got nothing to do up there. <laughs> Trap Beaver. <laughs> so maybe that. But I like him. I like him a lot. Oh, there's there Terry Bradshaw. I told you to be classic, man. That's 98 seconds of gold. Trapping Beaver, man. But the former Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback, he'll uh, be a part of the crew leading up to Super Bowl 54. Interesting couple of things. One, the funny stuff is, is hilarious. Of course. He, it's like he didn't want to say balls. Is yeah, like, I, I know. I kind of whispered it like you weren't on with the microphone there. It wasn't going to come through the microphone, but it's cool. It's all good, Terry. I, I know. I think this would come off a little bit better if you saw the interview, which you probably will at some time on TV and CBS 47 and Fox 30 this week. But he was talking about the mustache. There, yeah, right? yeah. And he said, now I do have one. But uh, just the whole thing about trapping beaver and, and Washington State, and it, it, he loves that thing. I knew Bradshaw would love that thing. But it's interesting because he said he, they should have just stuck with him. Yeah. And, you know, it's notable, and we did, you just don't have the time because so many people. But even coming off that London game, you know, we wondered. Remember, go back to that week. It was 4-4 four and four for him, uh, for the Jags, mm-hmm. going into that huge game against Houston, starting that stretch against the AFC South, that game in London. And it was so bad for Gardner Minshew, that fourth quarter especially, that I think that helped make the move back to Foles for uh, Doug Marone and company. But Bradshaw kind of hinted there that it would have been smarter maybe at the time just to stick with Minshew and let him ride. Well, and listen, hindsight's always going to be twenty twenty, And, like, it's easy for Terry Bradshaw to say that because you're on the mass Singer. You're, you're wearing a giant deer outfit, and you're <laughs> prancing around, and you're having a good time and everything. So from the outside looking in, yeah, it's easy to say Minshew should have been the starter the whole time. But if you look at it and put yourself in Doug Marone's shoes, if you put yourself um, in Dave Caldwell's shoes or the front office's shoes, you got to remember, they're all trying to fight for their jobs, or so they thought. They thought they were going to be done if they don't succeed in that season. So, you know, when Minshew came out in London, you know, didn't have his best game, obviously, kind of faltered a little bit. 
I wasn't mad that Nick Foles was the starting quarterback after that because we all thought that it gave you the best chance to win. Now, I was very adamant saying, I think you should keep Minshew in, but I was kind of planning for the future. I wouldn't yeah, put yeah. myself in Doug Marone's shoes. But if I was Doug Marone, truth be told, I probably would do the same thing. Yeah, I, I don't think even the people that love Minshew and think Minshew should be the guy going forward and kind of felt the same way you did. But in terms of rescuing the season, nobody was like, I can't believe they just went back to Foles. And even in hindsight, it, in Jacksonville, it hasn't been criticized that often that he went back to Foles. You could find the sense in it. And it was almost like, hey, Gardner, you had to show him something in that game again in London. Yeah. And it was the complete opposite. He played the worst game. As well, a pro. And also keep in mind, though, too, John D. Filippo did him zero favors because the game plan oh, around yeah, that yeah. was, you know, it just it wasn't conducive to helping Gardner Minshew shine. And then when it was too late, you put the ball in his hands, it was already over. It's bad to go to London as an offensive coordinator in Jacksonville, it feels like. They, they can't game plan very well over there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, offensively. I mean, yeah. Nathaniel Hackett didn't do a good job of it with Blake Bortles. And you're right, D. Filippo that week and then the next week with Foles at the helm was awful because they never ran the football. Uh, but uh, that was Terry Bradshaw on Gardner Minshew. We asked some others about it as well, uh, and we'll get to some of those other in- interviews along the way. More Jags talk, more football talk, more former Jags here at the Super Bowl, all in the final hour, plus a $50 PDQ gift card coming up to It's Action Sports Jags on the road, Super Bowl 54 here on ESPN 690. You've had an opportunity to watch one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time win a couple of these things. What did you take from that? You know, just uh, his calm demeanor, how he went about it like it was another game, and just, uh, I mean, stepping up, playing, making big plays in big moments. I mean, that's what it's all about. 49, 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo talking about playing behind the GOAT, Tom Brady. A topic that doesn't really get talked a lot about, I feel like, or at least not enough in the NFL and from, you know, these young first-round draft picks coming into the league, especially at the quarterback position, is the ability to wait behind your guy and learn. You know, and I'm not sure what the analytics are. I'm not sure what the statistics are of, of guys who come into the league as a quarterback in the first round who get time to sit as opposed to someone who gets thrown in the fire right away. I don't know the analytics, but all I know right now is we got Tom Brady, when you have Aaron Rodgers, those are two of the best NFL quarterbacks right now um, around. And I think that there's something to be said for that. So I think you, we talk about coming in, developing, having time to see it from the outside looking in, and just kind of have time to relax and breathe and go, you know what, this is the NFL. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to learn how to be a pro first. I'm going to learn from the guy that's ahead of me and then go on. I think that's uh, I think that's a great way to do things. Joined once again by Brent Martin. I'm just talking about a little bit how – we don't really talk about a lot of how the quarterbacks come in who are rookies, who actually get time to learn and develop a little bit, like an Aaron Rodgers, like a Jimmy Garoppolo. Like I said, I'm not sure what the statistics say and what the analytics say, but I know that the good quarterbacks, they do that, Brent. You're not allowed to do it anymore. You're just not. I mean, you they have – they, meaning like fans, I think – and organizations, whether it's owners or the quick turnaround, and you're not given a lot of time to get things done, you're not allowed to do it. You have to rush someone in. Think about Jacksonville. Jacksonville, back in 2011, 2011 would have been Gabbert's year? Correct. Or did he come in with you? 2011. 11. They draft Blaine Gabbert. Sure. They did not want Blaine Gabbert to play football that year. You knew it. You were on that team. That was not the plan. David Garrard was supposed to be the guy. They even had Luke McCown on the roster as well. And they did not want it to happen. But Jack Del Rio feeling for his job and the heat of that. 
and not really having success after cutting Garrard because of some injuries and saying the cap hit and they were just moving on. And then McCown having an awful game, I think it was against the Jets. Well, they said, you know what, we're going. We're going with it. We're riding with it right now. And out of like almost panic, I think Jack Del Rio made that move to say, we got to try to salvage this thing or we're done in Jacksonville. That was reality. So sure. I think the pressure of keeping jobs, I think the pressure of drafting someone and investing in someone like the Jags did, they traded up to get Gavert, say, get this guy on the field and see what he has. And then the pressure of other people coming in and doing a nice job at times. Younger quarterbacks started coming in and playing better and playing well. Russell Wilson's a great example of it, right? Sure. I mean, he came in and beat Matt Flynn out in training camp and comes in early and has a ton of success. He wasn't carrying the team, but he had success. So guys like that coming in, doing well, I think applied more pressure to that top guy that people invested in, that young quarterback, even if they're not ready. But if you look at what teams have done, and when they've been able to sit on a guy and let him learn and take your time and be patient and commit to it, it has worked pretty well at times. And that, of course, is an Aaron Rodgers example. And that was too much time from Aaron Rodgers' yeah. point of view. But still, it's the point still exists. And then I think Mahomes is now the greatest example of it because this guy is ultra-talented, super-talented. Uh, more talented and probably better than Alex Smith. And they still said, you know what? We are doing this. We're sticking with this. They played him the last couple of games because they had already won and clinched and all that stuff. But that year, to me, was so beneficial for Patrick Mahomes. What will be interesting is Matt Rule, given seven years now in a contract for the Carolina Panthers, when he gets his guy, if he gets his guy in this draft or next year, will they show the same amount of patience considering they have a seven-year deal in front of them to say, we think it's best if we sit our guy and not rush into it. One last example, by the way, in Jacksonville I didn't get to was Blake Bortles. I mean, Bortles, they said the same thing. They're like, oh, we can't do this anymore. I mean, Henny's not going to work. We need to win football games. And part of that, by the way, in a losing organization, which is really where you likely invested in a young quarterback, is you've got to win. You've got to win for your fans. And you need to win for your fans. If you're a Kansas City Chiefs team, you have Alex Smith. If you're a Green Bay Packers, you have Brett Favre. You can hold over because, one, you've probably won a few football games to say, hey, we're doing it this way. And, two, that quarterback that you already have is pretty good. Uh, the Jags weren't afforded that. Other teams have not been afforded that. But, sure, Patrick Mahomes' career, I think, is on the upward trend in a rapid fashion, partially because he got to sit that first year under Alex Smith. Absolutely. And it's funny because everyone has a preconceived notion of that first-round draft pick, whether he's a quarterback, whatever position, he needs to come in right from the get-go and be a starter in the NFL. And I think when you look at Andy Reid, uh, you know, when they went out to Patrick Mahomes, they sacrificed a lot to get him. And it was funny, when my conversation was, hopefully we'll play, you know, in the next couple of days or so, I asked Andy Reid, I asked him straight up, like, you guys like Deshaun Watson, but you love Patrick Mahomes. Why? You know, and he was pretty candid of his answer there, what he saw in Patrick Mahomes and why he thought he was going to be a great quarterback going forward. But it's like he said, where he knew Patrick Mahomes was going to be special. But even with that given, with Alex Smith kind of being the ultimate game manager, and I get it, it's a term I don't like to throw around, but that's what every analyst, and I'm sure even Alex Smith was getting tired of calling himself a game manager. Yeah. Even when you have that at your disposal, the ability to still sit Patrick Mahomes um, – I thought spoke volumes and what the plan was going forward. Now, like you said, Brent, not every team has that luxury, right? Some teams draft the rookie quarterback and they got to come in right away because the quarterback that they're taking over, I mean, they're already better than. And I get that standpoint as well. But I guess when we put such a high premium on, on the quarterback position, when it is the ultra-mega position of, of guiding a team to the Super Bowl, it's just baffling to me while teams don't always reload. You know, like teams could have a mediocre quarterback, let's, for instance, like a Mariota or something like that. 
Well, you never heard of the Tennessee Titans trying to go out and go, you know what, let's get a first-round guy and let's build behind Mariota. No, you get Ryan Tannehill, and now you're going to be kind of in a quarterback limbo of do you sign Tannehill to the long term or do you let him go? It's just it's baffling to me how it's such a quarterback-driven league, but teams are still so cautious when dealing with the quarterback, especially you know overdrafting in the first and second rounds. Yeah, listen, I think it's a great point, and one that people don't talk about as much anymore. But it also, I, I just asked on social media, yeah, if you ask me, if you if you ask every GM, every head coach, they would say, yeah, I want to sit my guy and let him learn a little bit. It, it's so much, it's so helpful. There's a reason why people used to redshirt in yeah. college, right? Because it was an adjustment, and to get used to it. Well, now, look what happens. Nobody redshirts. No, right? People get to campus early now. So everything is sped up. And to the credit of the kids and to the credit of the young players in the NFL, they're more ready to compete and be good than ever before. And that's a credit to them and, and their coaching and, and their maturity in, in a lot of different ways. But I also think the flip side is in Jacksonville, Gardner Minshew had a very nice, productive rookie year. And I think the ability to do that might show something in Gardner Mitchell because you just said it to DJ Chark. That second year is where you make your big stride. Absolutely. In 2020, how big of a stride will Gardner Mitchell make? I mean, if you're asking me personally, I think it's going to be a big one, obviously. I think it's going to be a huge one. Um, time will tell, obviously. But you cannot take for granted of just being that rookie quarterback, trying to get acquainted to the NFL life, and... Everything's a whirlwind, especially from the quarterback position, which is the double standard. It is the hardest position to play in football. So now that he's acquainted, now that he's dipped his toes in the pool, well, now it's time to go swimming. <laughs> now it's time to put on your Michael Phelps, put on your, you know, your water wings or whatever, and go to town. And I think that's what Gardner Minshew is definitely capable of. Is there any doubt that Minshew's wearing like a banana hammock on South Beach? I mean, oh, that's... without a doubt, dude. I mean, how could you not, man? <laughs> I mean, so trust me, we saw plenty of them today from from both sexes, by you know males and females alike. I mean, Mitch right. might wear the jockstrap. I know, hey, to each their own, man. But sorry, well, I got a little sidetrack. I know, yeah, it's all good, man. But we're talking about Gardner Minshew, though. Yes, I think he can take those steps forward. I think if you're the head coaching staff, I think you do realize that, and that's why you give him the starting nod. Listen, I don't know what it means because it's never, uh, it's never cut and dry. There might be a trend here or there. I can find you an example of all these different things. Guys that looked pretty good their first year, and you, you got you're like whoa. And then it's they not a perfect a science. It's just not. And so, but I do think that example, what you're talking about, which is a great topic of Mahomes, and people forget about it. They they think he's just been this guy. Well, he sat for a bit, and he he gives a ton of credit to Alex Smith for that. If you read up on it, and so. I think that example also sheds light on Minshew playing well should should sit with the Jags organization, should sit with Jags fans as being, oh, I like that. That's yeah. a good sign. Now let's see where it goes. But it's still with Minshew. On every level, let's see where it goes. It's not a slam dunk. And a lot of that is because of where he's drafted, and we've talked about this before, and it's also because of his shortcomings, if you will, when it comes to checking the boxes. Uh, he doesn't like to hear that, but I'm talking from people in the league. They will still question whether it's 100% this guy's going to be a star. Uh, and that's what 2020 to me is all about for Jacksonville, is finding out just how good this guy is. And can he be a star? Can he lead this franchise for a long time to come? A lot of hope, and he gave you hope because of what he did in his rookie season coming in on the fly. Um, now that big step in, in year number two will be interesting. But remember... Other people also can prep for you. Other people get more tape on you. 
and that happens in the NFL too. So th- th- that begs the question: like, how much of a Rubik's cube is Gardner Minshew? Um, how tough is he going to be to solve? You know, I mean, one can make an argument when he is showing his addition in London. The Texans kind of had a chance to game plan for him a little bit, and they kind of shut him down, right? I mean, now you could say John DiPolipo and his game plan wasn't, you know, the best for Gardner Minshew going forward. So it can go back and forth. I get what you're saying here. But at the end of the day, you, you mentioned it, Brent. Yes, well, teams will watch more film on him. Teams will figure out where he likes to scramble, where he likes to step up, where is that honey hole where he feels more most comfortable in throwing a pass. But at the same time, that's when the new offensive coordinator comes in, right? This is where Gruden comes in. This is where Gruden spreads the ball around a little more, makes it hard for teams to defend, and then obviously you sprinkle on Leonard Fournette as well. Um, I think going forward, may have to be at least a little optimistic of what the Jaguars' offense is capable of. Josh says it depends on when you're drafting them and what the current situation is. If you don't have a winning QB on your roster already, I think you'll get more value by playing them ASAP. It accelerates your evaluation time, and you should know by the end of year three if you need another. And fair enough. Um, I'm not sure Minshew where he's drafted. We've discussed yeah. this so many times, and you brought up the great point of if he was drafted in the first round, everybody would be all for this. Correct. Like, hey, that's a great start. Heck of a start. Look what they're saying about Kyler Murray. Look what they're saying about Daniel Jones. But because of the sixth round, there's hesitation, and also the window to commitment will be shorter. It's just reality. Yeah. It'll be shorter. And so that that's why I believe they should give him 2020. They should ride with him, see what is there, and, and hope and pray that he's the guy. Because it will be one fun hell of a ride in Jacksonville if he is the guy from a playing standpoint. We already know what it is, personality off the field. And here's the beauty of Gardner Minshew going forward next year. Take the the sixth-round pick out of it. Take, you know, he could have been a first-round pick out of it. That's all gone because now he's a second-year guy. And the guys that he's in the same draft class with, they're all second-year guys. So now you can't chalk up the rookie card anymore. You can't chalk up and say, well, he's still a young guy. He's going to make some mistakes. So if Gardner Minshew, for whatever reason, maybe falters a little bit, Brent, maybe shows that he is human a little bit, well then – you know, if you're the Jaguars staff, you probably go forward and say, you know what, let's invest in another quarterback in the draft the following season. Like, this season's so important from the standpoint of you're going to find out what you got. And if you got something special, you got something special. And if you got something questionable, you have something questionable. But there's going to be no room for doubt. Now, I understand. A new offensive coordinator could make things a little harder, right? I mean, let's be honest. Anytime a new guy comes in with a new terminology, um, a new way of doing things, that takes some time to get acclimated to. But at the same point, you can't use the rookie, the rookie excuse for Gardner Minshew anymore, and I think he's going to embrace that and do special things going forward. Yeah, listen, I want to stay very true to what we talked about at the end of the season when all this thing was going down and, and they're coming back, uh, and Marone and Caldwell and everything. I think the two things that stick out to me after doing some work and researching and looking at teams like this that are in there is, one, you have to be bold and take some chances, and you have to hit on those chances, right? And it might only be one or two, but you have to hit on them. And secondly, until you know you've hit on the quarterback, well, exactly what you just said. You keep firing. Keep firing on that QB position until you find it. And they have to do it more often, and it doesn't matter whose feelings get hurt, and it doesn't matter what situation you correct. Jimmy Johnson just told me, I said it can make a messy situation, right? He said, well, that's a head coach's job to deal with the situation. And until the Jags find that guy, the Mahomes, the Garoppolo, the two guys we have here in Miami, they got to keep firing on that position until they absolutely hit it. Hey, uh, we want to give away a PDQ gift card right now, our second one of the show. We're doing this twice a show all week long from down here in South Florida. $50 gift card. Let's go with hmm, caller number four. 
I'm looking at 54 right now, the Super Bowl. So caller number 4, 904-362-9901, star star 690 as well. Uh, you can jump in, $50 gift card to PDQ, and this is a great deal coming up. I've done this before. My family has done this before. I like and it. done the 25 or 50 tenders, buy one, get one free. Excellent deal, especially if you're throwing a party on Sunday for the big game. Uh, only good Saturday and Sunday. So this Saturday and Sunday, PDQ locations around Jacksonville, 25 or 50 chicken tender platters, and uh, you can get buy one, get one free. And we might make it more free if you call that number right now, 904-362-9901. Give away a $50 gift card to caller number four. We're going to take a time out here from the Super Bowl when we get back. More football talk, of course, plus a little balling and falling. And an interesting balling and falling question that somebody had for me. I like the topic coming up before the end of the show. And uh, why is Austin Lane such a celebrity down here? Everywhere we go. What are you talking about, man? I mean, it's unbelievable. Maybe it's the shirt off on the beach with Marcel and Stewart today. Oh, dude, hey. Bike riding. Any I mean, chance he I got a, right in on South Beach? Any chance I got a chance? You know, any opportunity I have a chance to soak in some cosmic rays? I'm taking full advantage of that. You can't hate me for that. It was 74 degrees outside. It was beautiful. beautiful. It is beautiful, yes. despite a little earthquake in the vicinity. Yeah, uh, here in South Florida, it seems like everything's okay. Still checking in on that front. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 up until six o'clock, live from the Super Bowl down in South Florida. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Anytime that, uh, you know, a guy that you grew up, I mean, the end of my college career, I, I watched so much of him, and uh, I get a compliment from him. Uh, it's pretty spectacular. But when you got a player like that who, in my opinion, is, you know, the best red zone threat in the NFL, you know, says touchdowns left and right all the time, um, and just, you know, how he leads his team with his personality. And, you know, just watching that in college, I was like, you know what, you don't have to be, you know, just a hard-nosed guy on the football field all the time. Like, you can be whatever personality you want to be. And being able to see that, I mean, he kind of opened the door for me and my personality and how much fun I have on the field. That's George Kittle, tight end of the San Francisco 49ers, talking about the other really good tight end in this game, and that is Travis Kelsey. It's interesting. Brent Morton, Austin Lane, Orso Robinson, Stuart Weber, back here at Super Bowl 54 in South Florida. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, half hour left in the show. A little bowling and falling coming up. Uh, go Chad Henney and our conversation last night with him at opening night coming up. But it's interesting with the tight end stuff. Think about the Super Bowls recently. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know we've talked a little bit about this and how desperate the Jags are for tight ends. But this game has probably made tight ends in the league just a 30% pay increase going forward. I think it's made tight ends and fullbacks. I mean, really look at this. Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, remarkable tight ends. Go back to the Eagles of Zach Ertz. Go back to Rob Gronkowski and the difference maker he's been all the years, including last year. I mean, it's unbelievable, really, in the last three years alone. I don't even know. i got to go back even earlier than that. Who would I be talking about before 17? Uh, who was before the Eagles and Patriots? Yeah, Gronk has been involved in so many of them. Yeah. Um, who am I missing? Anybody else recently? I mean, you can't really say Everett with the Rams. No. Um, the Falcons, they have Hooper at the time? No. No, 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 they didn't have Hooper. So, um, but Gronk. Gronk was well, in that well, game. Yeah, Gronk. Um, I mean, of course, Gronk's like every other year. <laughs> well, uh, of course, that's what it seems like, right? I'm trying to draw back. But here. anyway, yeah, yeah, just yeah, say yeah, the last yeah. three years in this game, look at the tight ends in this game. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty remarkable, and it just shows you. I mean, what a gap. Yeah, the Jags have had gaps in their quarterback play. The Jags have had gaps on a lot of different other areas of, of – 
of comparing them to Super Bowl teams, but the gap between Jaguars' tight end production and the last three Super Bowls and their tight end production, holy cats, it's massive. I'm not saying well, if you get a good tight end, you automatically go to the Super Bowl. But it's unbelievable if you weigh it against what the Jaguars have had and their production from that spot. It was it was fascinating talking to Andy Reid last night when I asked him you know, about his offense and why it's always, it's, it's always high-powered, it seems like. And he was a big proponent of the tight end position. And he mentioned Travis Kelsey when Patrick Mahomes is coming in. The tight end position, especially the way Andy Reid run things, it's that safety net. It's that safety blanket to make the quarterback feel a little comfortable. And the thing with tight ends, especially the great ones, like the George Kittles, like the Rob Gronkowskis, um, like the Travis Kelseys, is they're the ultimate mismatch, right? You can't put a corner on them because they're too big. You can't put a linebacker on them because they're too fast. So when you have mismatches like that, well, then you have openings. We have openings you can expose teams, and I think that's what Andy Reid's been able to do, obviously, um, with Travis Kelsey, and then obviously Shanahan as well in San Francisco with George Kittle. Well, think about even the Jags in 17, who had their finest year in a decade, and Mercedes Lewis was big. Had five touchdowns for him that year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the most production Jags had out of that spot in, in forever. And James O'Shaughnessy, I think, came up big that year on, on several occasions. They still weren't loaded. I mean, the thing about significant plays, Ben Koyak even catches the touchdown against Buffalo to help win that football game. Sure. It, it's really, I mean, it sounds foolish to me to say the Jaguars won't be good or good enough or great until they find a tight end or two. But, wow, it certainly adds up recently in the NFL that you have to have a tight end or two to have a chance. No, it does absolutely add up, and that's why it was such a high premium this past draft. You have guys like Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson. I mean, TJ Hawkinson was the highest tight end taken because he was that two-way guy, right? He's the guy that was great in the in the run game, and then you could kind of split him out and be a receiver as well. Now, granted, he got hurt a little bit, so... You know, the, the proof still is yet to remain, remain seen if TJ Hawkinson's going to be the real deal or not. But, like, Noah Fan is another prime example. He kind of turned around with, with Drew Locke a little bit, right? Also, here comes Drew Locke, a guy that no one was really talking about, and he kind of finds a swagger a little bit. Now, all of a sudden, Broncos fans are excited for Drew Locke going forward, and Noah Fant had a lot to do with that. So, if you can find that right tight end, and it's funny how even, you know, the days of Mercedes Lewis. It has changed now to the modern era tight end, right? Where Mercedes Lewis was so celebrated because he's one of the best run-blocking tight ends of all time, in my opinion. I had to go against him every single day in practice. I didn't look forward to it, all right? You'll never get love for that, but it was true. Absolutely. And it made me a better player because when I was going against different opponents, their tight ends couldn't hold a candle to Mercedes Lewis in the run game. Well, now you're not not really seeing like a, a high, I guess, prestige of, run-blocking tight ends. Like, yeah, you need them here or there, but it's not covered like I think it used to be, right? You're supposed to see tight ends split out and things like that, but also what tight ends can do now in the run game is they can seal block. They can use some of their finesse more than actually the power of blowing somebody back like a Rob Gronkowski, just like Travis Kelsey does. George Kittle's a little more of a physical guy, but you're seeing these, these tight ends like Hunter Henry, Austin Hooper, they're using their smarts. You don't have to be the strongest guy. You don't have to have a high bench press. You just got to seal the backside tight end off, and they do a great job of that. Yeah, the only wish I had for this game, uh, I do wish Green Bay kind of was in it for Mercedes Lewis. Uh, I mean, I know uh, people listening to you wish Green Bay was in it for a lot of reasons. Yeah. But it would have been pretty cool dozen years into his career for Mercedes Lewis to get to a Super Bowl. I think that he put on a lot of equity uh, Man. in Jacksonville well, uh, to get to that stage. It would have yeah. been pretty cool. And especially, especially what the Jaguars asked him to do, right? I mean, obviously he's probably on the back nine of his career right now. I think he'd be the first one to tell you that. But, you know, with with playing every single rep in the run game, in the pass game, I mean, that can take a toll on your body, right? Now you're seeing tight ends that are just primarily receivers, but Mercedes Lewis is that old throwback. He's the guy that did it all. And and I attribute to him for doing that because he's he's kind of like the last of a dying breed, really.
All right, kind of lost in the game because, well, probably won't play and won't be an impact, is the backup quarterback in this football game, and that's Chad Henney. Former Jaguar quarterback, started for a bit from Michigan to the Miami Dolphins, who, so he's back home here uh, where, where his NFL career started, up to Jacksonville for a few years, and gave way and helped tutor and, and try to fix and help uh, Blake Bortles. So a big part of Jacksonville for a few years there was Chad Henney, good guy, and was given multiple opportunities to start in the league and, and just couldn't make the most of it. Uh, never really cashed it in completely. And uh, in Miami and in Jacksonville, I think you could make the case he wasn't always surrounded with the best, but he still had plenty of opportunities. Goes to Kansas City and now really just watching one of the all-time great performances the last couple of years sure. of Patrick Mahomes yeah. and uh, smiling and having fun with it all. We caught up with him last night at opening night. Always good to see Chad Henney, and he's got a front-row seat to the latest phenomenon in the NFL, and that is Patrick Mahomes. How are you doing? Good, man. How are you? Good. Congratulations. Thank How fun is this? Oh, it's awesome. I mean, uh, you know, great team, great coaches, and to be back where it all started for me, couldn't be any happier. Yeah, you uh, you did have the health issue early on. I mean, how did you heal throughout all that, and what was that like? Yeah, I mean, it was a tough process. I mean, you break your ankle, you tear some ligaments, and you don't know if you're going to come back. And, you know, luckily enough, the rehab and our trainers got me right and uh, was able to come back after week eight. So um, it's been a whirlwind, but at the same time, you appreciate the hard work that you put in, and uh, whatever the team needs, you know, you just go out there and help them out. How much in general now at your age, you've been around this thing a while, do you just appreciate the whole journey from the people asking you about Miami to us asking you about Jacksonville and, and now finally ending up here where it's the pinnacle of the sport. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a whole you know life story in my career. And, uh, you know, it's a whirlwind. comes back. But I tell everybody it's just about relationships and networking. I mean, the people that you've come across uh, from different backgrounds and everything, and it all comes together for one reason, to win football games. Uh, it's a special thing, and it's a special thing to be a part of. You've seen it work, obviously, here seen it not work in other places. Of course, we're trying to figure it out back in Jacksonville. Why isn't it working? Can you explain it, how it does work sometimes? Is it simply players, or is there more to it? I mean, it's everything. I mean, it's coaching staff, it's players, uh, it's the community coming together. Um, it's just a bond that you just can't really express. I mean, we're a tight-knit group here in Kansas City, and um, you know, we're just out there just trying to play ball like we're kids, and we're having fun doing it. And I think if you stick to the truth and believe in the process and just go out there and play your game like you're a kid, it kind of just works out. Uh, that being said, it is a pretty darn good team. And how crazy good is this offense? I mean, from all the football you've played in your life, it, it looks like a video game from afar. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to watch other offenses, I'll tell you, when you're part of this. Uh, you know, you got speed, you got size, you got talent. I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, and uh, we can exploit anything you want. You know, run the ball, throw the ball, screen game. Defense is playing really well right now. Um, but, yeah, we, we definitely have the players to put the ball in their hands and let them go do the things. Does the enemy get enough credit for all? I mean, there's Reed, obviously, and there's there's Mahomes, and there's all these stars, but. Uh, how much credit does, does he deserve? Yeah, Coach Bianami is awesome. I mean, he does a phenomenal job. You know, everybody's giving him critique. He doesn't call the plays, but that's Andy's thing. He calls the plays, but at the same time, EB is on the side giving 
plays too. I mean, there's a whole coaching staff that are giving him plays. So there's a process that they do, and uh, EB's done a phenomenal job. He really got, grabs hold of the offense, gets attention, and gets guys where they need to be, and installs a phenomenal job. You ever look back is it a, and wonder what went wrong in Jacksonville at all when it doesn't go right, whether it's Miami, Jacksonville, other places? Yeah, I mean, it's just sometimes, you know, injuries play a factor. Sometimes, you know, it's just players not making plays. You put it on yourself as a player. You know, coaching goes into it as well. It's just a whole, you know, commemorative thing. It's just, you can't really explain. I mean, everybody has a part in it. And if you're not doing your job and you're not doing it well, you're not going to win games in this league. Still in touch with a lot of guys, Blake and, and all those guys? Yeah, I mean, I just talked to Blake this week, so still in contact with them. Happy for him out there in L.A. Um, hopefully gets another opportunity, but, you know, really, really happy for him. That was Chad Henney. Jacksonville Jaguars backup quarterback, starting quarterback for a time. Now the Kansas City Chiefs quarterback or backup quarterback. Hey, Kuz, we still on over there? That was certainly sudden. Yeah, you're good. Okay, good. All right, thanks. I was was following along because I was like, well, that's not the end of the interview, so I wanted to make sure that uh, (laughs) I asked him about his shoes. That's where I thought the end would be, and then I didn't know for sure if we were still on. He had these funky shoes on. Uh, he, they were um, like red. He had all different colors on him. Huh? Um, Do you know what thought, No, but he had said that he was like he didn't want to wear the shoes they asked him to wear because they were they were goofy looking. He didn't like them. He actually he, <laughs> he consulted with his wife and he said, "I'm going with these instead." Okay, but like so, the shoes that he was wearing they're multicolored though. Uh, well, they're primarily white, but they had some like I actually thought it might be for a charity. Oh, because okay. they had multiple colors on it cool. uh, at one time. So Interesting. That was Chad Henney, uh, backup quarterback, front row seat for Patrick Mahomes. In a weird situation, right, for a QB in this game, a backup QB, you always want to play. It, and if you get a chance to come in, you're like, I'm going to do the job. Sure. But come on, there's not a person in Kansas City that wants to see Chad Henney in that football game on Sunday. And, and, and I think if, if you put Chad Henney on a lie detector test, it would be tough to say, I want to see myself in that game if I want to win. Because uh, Patrick Mahomes gives you the best chance to win, no doubt. Well, yeah, uh, of course. You know, and Gardner Minshew kind of said the same thing early in his career did, yeah. uh, about Nick Foles. Yeah, I mean, Chet, listen, Chet Henney knows what's going on. I think everybody knows what's going on. And I think he's just he's happy to be a part of it. He's happy to help where he can. He's happy to contribute. And at the end of the day, if they do, in fact, win the Super Bowl, I mean, Chet Henney can lay his head down tonight knowing that he had a you know he had a big part of why the Chiefs were successful. So, yeah, I think that's all he's trying to get out of it. I don't think he's trying to play or anything. So. No, yeah, yeah, I mean, I get it. It's just a weird spot. If you're any other player on that team, you can play a snap or two, special teams, anything else, and you can play a role, and and, and it's a good thing. It's a cool sure. thing. You want to. You, you're begging them to. Yeah. Backup QB, not necessarily, uh, which is one of the unique positions in all of sports uh, because of it. Hey, uh, Stuart Weber, jump on with us for a minute or two. Slide over. I know you're editing for tonight's CBS 47 Fox 30 TV shows, but it's time to get to the bottom of just how big of a celebrity Austin Lane is here at Super Bowl. Where are we getting this from? Huge. Well, everywhere we go. Yeah. It's like, well, first of all, like, you're a noticeable guy, right? Sure. Like, do I have to be careful saying that? Noticeable guy? A noticeable Yeah, guy with a big beard. Oh, no. Listen, I've I've told this. I mean, you got vans on that are about 14 years old. I don't even know why anybody comes around Oh, dude, but don't worry, man. Actually, I put them through the washer, so they're they're good to go now. You know, I'm I'm rocking the jean shorts, so we're all good, man. So we'll share the story, but uh, last week at the Senior Bowl, we're there Monday and Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you know a lot of the folks over there. You run into NFL. You're in NFL circles. Of course, man. Yeah, I know some coaches. not only that. And the media day on Tuesday, we're interviewing other players, and you're catching up with Golden Gandy and Vaughn yeah, yeah. from Wisconsin. 
there's a, like a TV station from Wisconsin yeah. that wants to interview you. Yeah. So you get interviewed yeah. during the media day for the Senior Bowl. No, you're no longer a senior. You're closer to a senior yeah. citizen than you are a senior. <laughs> oh, okay. Come on, Brent. I graduated like three years ago, it man. Matter, but Come you on. can't go back. You can't go back and play that game. So right, your next right. step yep. is more senior citizen than okay. the senior okay. in the Senior You're going have an intervention yeah. right now. I don't like this. Yeah. Yeah. Ready yeah. for the Senior so, Games. Okay, so then on top of that, I mean, everywhere we go, what were you called the other day? Come on, tell them. Tall Jesus. Hey, tall, tall Jesus. Yeah, tall Jesus. You get looks like all the time. And well, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you get, yeah, you do. Okay. Right? You're six, yeah. six. Sure. And, and so then, I tend to blend in a little easier. So uh, you, people yeah. don't say I yeah. look like anybody. Yeah, no, no. We, we blend oh, whatever, dude. We're, we're getting looks on the bike, man. People are impressed with what we have to offer. I mean, well, we, you, we had I mean, a crew. Now, you might have you might have attracted some looks on the bike. You, yeah. You, like purposely took your shirt off and stuff. You just well, were trying to fit in. South. Was it, I mean, I was trying to fit in at South Beach for sure. But dude, I'm, I'm not opposed to getting some sun, getting to get a tan, man. That's what I'm all about. If so. you invest that much in tattoos, you you're, you're going to show them off. That's yeah. true. That is the one thing about tattoos. That's exactly why I got them. That's it. If <laughs> I, as an investment to show off on South Beach. So once I do get that tattoo. Oh, Brent. Yeah. Depending where I'm it is. I'm just going to work around, walk around shirtless all the time. I would, dude. Yeah, well, I Depend, guess that's if that's where it's at. Let it fly, man. Let it fly, <laughs> man. Be proud. Yeah. Be confident. You got to show it off. Be confident. Confidence is key. Pay yep. a few hundred dollars for that thing. Heck yeah. Oh, that's I forgot to ask DJ Chark that. Oh, it's tattoos. I'm convinced DJ Chark got more tattoos on his left arm. Yeah. If, he, I saw if he's listening right now, let us know. I'm gonna, I gotta go. I gotta guess, ask the Jags PR follow or something. Up. I gotta yeah. follow. I gotta Dude, and, and the sad thing was, is I was gonna ask him that question, but you brought it up, so I was gonna leave it to you, and then I completely spaced on I it. So, yeah. Son of a gun. What are you gonna do? I want to do that. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we're Sorry, listeners. We're gonna bring right you now. that information. But anyway, so last night we're at opening night. Sure. And you got interviewed again. A couple times. A couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Is it? This doesn't surprise you at all that you're like in the media doing the interview now, but now you're getting interviewed still all the time. Well, I mean, I like you said. I think being tall and like having a, a distinctive look, I guess, kind of helps a little bit. Um, but like there are interviews that were like one interview was from a hometown like stage, the TV station, so that was cool. And the other interview was from like a Latina network that just was intrigued by I guess my height because I was a former athlete. They thought, which you know, I'm like, yeah, I was a former athlete. And then we talked about dancing and gyrating hips like Shakira, and which I wasn't going to do at all. wasn't in the mood for. I was kind of kind of tired, and worn down, and sure, wasn't yeah. going to play along. Hence but, the earthquake. Yeah, right but I mean, I don't know. I consider myself kind of a social person too. Like if I see someone that looks cool to talk to, I'm going to talk to him, man. And then sometimes that leads to interviews. And Here's stuff. the thing: Austin is in the sweet spot of interviewing. At an event like that, you've got all these people trying to get all these players, yeah. so they're all occupied. You've got these super famous not players. They've all got people around them blocking them from doing all these like interviews. Like the wrestlers. Like oh, the wrestlers, yeah. yeah. King Corbin and Roman Reigns were there. Yep. Uh, so they got handlers. You know. yeah. Marcel is his handler. Yeah. I mean, and he's you know he's not going to do anything but take selfies. So <laughs> it really leaves it. Oh, it's not fair. He's got headphones and he can't hear me right now. But um, I'm gonna tell him what you said. You're right. Worry. You're right in that sweet spot to where it's like, okay, you look like an athlete, and you look approachable enough to where I could interview you and uh, and make my job a little easier on myself. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess like I, I'll never turn down an interview, man, because like I said, it's just That's it, exactly it, it right there. It, it's yeah. just it's just a chance to talk, as far as I'm concerned, and share ideas. Because like what I, I I love talking to people and gaining knowledge. Like that's what I'm all about, man. So whether there's a microphone in front of my face or not, I just love sitting down with people and you know BSing. Basically, you're in the right business. I'm just telling yeah. you, we might need to bring a handler from now on. Brent, I mean, everywhere don't, we go, don't act like stopped. we don't act like we don't go to TPC and I have tendonitis in my hand from snapping pictures of you and fans the whole time. Well, okay, that's just so one place. I mean, that's just one. 
week. That's yeah, my week. That's Brent's sweet spot. <laughs> right? That is Brent's that's sweet spot. Yep. Uh, yep. And it's coming it. up soon enough. Uh, oh, by the I can't way, congratulations wait. to the PGA Tour. Over $3 billion. With a B. For charities. $3 wow. billion. Dollars. Billion and the Players' B. Championship Sweet, man. Good is stuff. around $9 million, $10 million a year mm-hmm. to that uh, pool yeah. annually. Yeah. So, uh, incredible. We know what the PGA Tour and the Players' Championship has done uh, back in Jacksonville to so many different charities. And uh, hats off to them. Hats off to the PGA Tour. And we feel it, too. Hats off to our charities, Action Sports Jack Stream 18. Uh, they've been a part of it along the way. So, we appreciate it. All right. I could have had you balling again, just being... Oh, thanks, man. You know what we need to do, though? Yeah. We should just roll you around Radio Row and be like, hey, you want to talk to Austin Lane? Want to talk to Austin Lane? ESPN 690, former Jags player, MMA guy. I feel like he has more credentials than some of the people that are rolling around here. Ooh, shots have been fired. You notice how he said that very quietly? I know, right? You're scared? It's okay. They are. Well, we might need them on the air tomorrow. (laughs) Let's let's just say that I'm Jason Momoa's stunt double or something like that. Sometimes you have to fill time. Yeah. Uh, We try not to We don't this week. We got a ton of great stuff. (laughs) All right, man, we come back. A little balling and falling. Finish up a show on a Tuesday and uh, send you into the evening. Hopefully you're having a good day, everybody. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 rolls on from Super Bowl 54 right after this. We have a lot of weapons, I'll say that. I mean, and we've went out there and scored a lot of points, put a lot of good tape out there, so now it's about playing a really, really good defense and just playing the way we know how we can play. That is Patrick Mahomes, of course, Kansas City quarterback, getting a lot of love, a lot of attention, and uh, deservedly so. He's been fantastic, really fun to watch uh, these first couple years in the NFL, and might be tough to beat on Sunday. We'll see mm-hmm. how he is under pressure. The tighter team in the playoffs has certainly been Kansas City. It's like they felt a lot of pressure to win. I think that goes away in this game because they needed to get here. We'll see. Uh, you'd think with an Andy Reid team, the looseness and all that, they wouldn't be tight. But in the early part of games, they've been tight in the postseason. But, again, I think that was more of we've got to get by last year. We can't lose again in the AFC Championship game. And then on top of that, it couldn't blow the opportunity they had because Baltimore lost, so they got home field advantage in the AFC Championship game. Yeah, absolutely. You know, And especially we're talking about the, the fast starts. You have to have a fast start against San Francisco because the way they're designed is they can beat you so many different ways. And if Kansas City was to come out flat like they have the past two games, San Francisco might, you know, put their foot on the gas and never look back. So it is an important game, obviously, from the standpoint of Kansas City has to, you know, not have those foolish turnovers, not those foolish penalties, and come out right away and smack, um, you know, the 49ers in the mouth. So I, I, I do agree with you. They have started so the past couple games. It's going to be important to, you know, to, to go forward, um, get off to a fast start. And, you know, it's, to me, this is, and we'll talk about it more during the week, Brent, but this is such an intriguing matchup because you know what Kansas City is bringing to the table, right? You, you know Kansas City is going to put up points. You know Patrick Mahomes is going to throw to Travis Kelsey to Tyreek Hill. You know, they're, they're going to get Williams involved in the run game a little bit. But let's be honest. They're going to pass the ball all around the field. That's what Kansas City does. They're high-powered. They're high-octane. But the big question mark is if you're San Francisco, what do you do? Because you're known for running the ball, for slowing the game down if you want, but you also have that high-powered offense, Debo Samuel, Emmanuel Sanders, where you can maybe go toe-to-toe with Kansas City and make it a high-scoring affair. And I understand right now Vegas and all the all the betting experts are talking about it being a high-scoring game, which it very well could be, but one has to wonder as well if 
if you're San Francisco, you have the power to run the ball. Do you slow the game down a little bit? Do you try to get Patrick Mahomes off the field and control the clock? All right, we're going to get out of here in a couple minutes. Uh, Redis Pizza, a big game party coming up uh, this weekend. We're giving it away with Redis Pizza and ESPN 690. 30-second commercial. Here's how it works. So you got to jump in. We want you to play along. Austin Lane is going to deliver your part, your pizza to your party. And it's not just pizza, by the way. You'll get much more stuff. And you'll get Austin Lane to deliver it to you. You leave it on our ESPN 690 social media platforms or call it in, star star 690. You have to make a 30-second commercial for your party on Sunday. Keywords, you have to include Rennes, ESPN 690, party, and pizza. That's it. That's the deal. Rennes, ESPN 690, party, and pizza, and a 30-second or less commercial. And uh, call it in on star star 690 or uh, leave it on our ESPN 690 social media platforms. We'll announce a winner on Friday. We need you to play along, have some fun with it, much like we do with the roses are red, violets are blue, jags, fill in the blank, uh, that we did uh, last year. And, um, hey, maybe we just adopt your commercial for your party. I like it, man. Let's do it, man. Yeah, I I mean, it's it's on the table for anybody to use. All right, uh, balling and falling. I don't know if you have anything else, but we got a a listener and viewer uh, of the show asked me this question. I thought it was great. Tiger Woods 2020 season. Sure. Will it be ballin' or fallen relative to his 2019 year, where he burst back on the scene, won the Masters, had a pretty nice fall as well, President's Cup, all that thing, all that stuff. Will it be ballin' or fallen in 2020 versus 2019? What say you? Man, um, I mean, I don't know. To, to say he's going to have a better year than last year where he won the Masters, you know, the, the creme de la creme of the, the golfing tournaments, it's hard to say. Um, but you know what, man? I'm, I'm not going to ever t- count Tiger out, so... Well, here's the question, Brent. If he wins a major this year, is that even, or does it be the Masters again? No, I think a major would count. And here's what I say. Go I ahead, thought about yeah. that. I almost went fallen because I think it's so hard to do what he did last year. Yeah. And winning the Masters was epic. It was huge, massive. I think he is playing good enough golf to win a major again. I don't know if he will, but I feel like he'll be more consistent. Mm-hmm. I feel like he could have more of a 2013 kind of year. Remember, he went kind of away a little bit after the Masters. It was tough to rebound for him. It was almost like that was so big that he he, he didn't play great golf for a few months after. Yeah. So I think his consistency this year, his game overall, might add up to more of a two thir- 2013 year and a better year overall. And so I'm going to say balling for that, although it's so hard to plug in a major in any year. Sure. No matter how anybody is. So uh, I'm going to say balling. We both say balling. What you ball. got for balling and falling? Uh, quick, real quick, balling. Uh, going out to Billy Eilish. If you remember back, you probably don't, but probably three months into the show, I had the whiteboard action. I actually wrote on it, and I said, Billy Eilish for all the Grammy Awards. Well, guess what? Billy Eilish uh, was at the Grammys on Sunday, took home five Grammy Whoa. Awards. I'm a big Billie Eilish fan just from the standpoint of she's different, she's unique, she's weird, it rubs people the wrong way, but I'm all for, you know, just being yourself, letting your freak flag fly, if you will, and Billie Eilish definitely does that, so props to her on getting her five Grammy Awards. All right, you got to follow it all? Uh, falling real quick. So last night there was an intervention. I drove six hours essentially for an intervention of why I should get Instagram. Um, it was a round table of about four of my, oh, three of my closest peers and another gentleman I just met trying to talk Carlos me into getting Gil, Instagram. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not he getting Instagram. Instagram. He wrote a book on Instagram. He wrote a book on Instagram. I'm going to read the book. I'm not getting Instagram. Not now. Not ever. And that, uh, it is what it is. Read the book and maybe you'll change your mind. Coos, Austin <laughs> might be getting on the gram. Nah. Not, see, not if you keep calling it the gram.
All right, much more to come on TV side. CBS 47, Fox 30 coming up tonight from Super Bowl 54. By the way, we're okay down here for the earthquake stuff. We're okay. Well, more to come tomorrow. Business really heats up. Uh, right here at the Convention Center on Wednesday. Many, many more interviews, including ones we've already done. We'll play for you the rest of the week. Thanks for hanging out with us, Action Sports Shacks, on ESPN 60, ESPN 690. What are we? Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Yeah. On the road. We've been standing for a year and a half. You're good, though, dude. <laughs> on the road. Bowl 54. Have a good night. If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com.